Flying too close to the sun. What is this sun you speak of, Gaddy Lee? And before you say anything or ask a single question, wasn't my choice. It is all Request Friday here on the program, and that one comes from Terry from the album Roll the Bones. A little bit of rush and bravado for you on this all request Friday morning on the Mike Farwell show. 906, welcome to the program, and thank you very much for stopping by. Thank you very much for submitting your song requests. You know, it occurred to me as I listened to a little bit of that song from the album Roll the Bones, which kind of brought to an end Rush's synthesized era, if you will. And they got back more into that, I don't know, guitar-based, harder rock beyond. But nonetheless, I always, I've always wished, I, I've said this before, the one thing that I was not able to do in my radio career was work for a rock station. And in the grand scheme of things, that's okay. I'm still here. I'm still talking. But I always thought, like, wouldn't it be fun to do rock radio at one point? But hey, with your requests today, it sounds like I'm going to be able to do uh, quite a bit (laughs) of rock radio between now and one. Hey, the best way to get involved in all of the fun and all of the shenanigans here on the show is, of course, to participate in it. 519-570-2545, star 570, and 1-800-570-5715. When you do call, let Devin Robertson, our guy on the other side of the glass, know what song you'd like to hear a little bit of, and we'll see how quickly his fingers work and whether or not we can get any of it in today, but we can bank those requests for next Friday's all-request show as well. Uh, on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash the Mike Farwell Show, of course, and then Twitter, Instagram, at Farwell underscore WR. You'll notice on our Facebook page this morning, I couldn't help but share. I felt like it was shareable, worthy of sharing, out for a walk after dark with the dog last evening. And I was... I was quite impressed by you. Good job. So many houses still illuminated as if the holiday season was still in our midst or we were in the midst of the holiday season. It was nice. It just brings something, some kind of cheer to these rather dreary days because I said to Christine Clark just before 9 o'clock when we were chatting about what's coming up on the show today, I mean, if I don't see the sunshine sometime soon, holy Hannah, It has been a drought. But those lights last night, they made a bit of a difference. And, you know, let let me let you in on this little bit, too. What also made a difference, it's the little things sometimes. So I would like to thank the individual who delivers my Globe and Mail because I walked out my front door this morning and I stepped on the newspaper. It was right there on the mat in front of the door. And listen... I don't mind. I don't mind that it's usually in the driveway or on the lawn. It doesn't matter. I get what it's like. And the way newspaper delivery works these days, early in the morning, and most people are delivering from a vehicle, so it's like toss it out the window. That's cool. But it reminded me this morning of a bygone era with that newspaper sitting right there at the front door because I, too, 
once delivered newspapers, and there were some very strict rules provided me by my father when you're delivering those newspapers. You put that paper exactly where the customer requests it, and you fold it up and you put it in the mailbox, or you slide it neatly and nicely inside that side door or front door, whatever it is, or wherever it is that the customer had asked that the newspaper be placed. I was always quite proud of myself, too, when it came to folding those newspapers into a mailbox or really what was a, a milk box. You know, you'd have those those newer fangled mailboxes where you would fold the newspaper lengthwise and place it in the box, usually by the front door. But if you were putting it in one of those older milk boxes at the side of the house, usually, I would always fold the paper, well, to make it fit, you kind of had to fold it widthwise. Some of my friends who delivered papers would fold it on the length and then kind of stand it up diagonally in the milk box. I would fold it on the width. And then I always made sure, this is what made me proud of myself. These are the things that I pat myself on the back for, okay? Just a little insight into my character here. But I would fold it so that when it unfolded, because you didn't crease it so hard, so it might stand up on one end inside the milk box, but I made sure that end was on the end that I would open or close so that when they opened it on the inside, the paper wouldn't flop over and the inserts fall out and maybe all over their landing or fall down the stairs or whatever. I thought that was a nice gesture by me, my 10-year-old self as a newspaper carrier here in town. So anyway, thanks to the carrier of the Globe and Mail who left it right on the front door step today. It was nice. Walked out, picked it up, off we go. It is, of course, the morning after a night before, and when it is that morning after, we always get a chance for a little AM on AM in the AM. Marner tried to get it in front of the backhand, scores! Matthews! Marner from behind the net got it just into the gold crease. And Big Pappy just took it on the forehand, said thank you very much, tucked it to the backhand, and it's 2-1. to one. Oh, Big Pappy, Joe Bowen calls him. You know, I like doing AM on AM in the AM, and, and it's Friday, and I feel like on Friday you should get to do it more than once. Pontus Holmberg into the forecheck, stole it, got it back, Matthews again, scores! He's done it again! Multiple gold games for Austin Matthews. The problem, of course, is that the Leafs ended up losing that game last night. Ding, dang it all. Come on. But when those two goals were scored by Austin Matthews, the Leafs were up 3-1. to one. They ultimately lose 4-3 in overtime to the New York Islanders. So the four-game winning streak is over. Now we call it a point streak. It's a five-game point streak for the Leafs. But... Just to put this into a little bit of perspective for you, Austin Matthews, now in his eighth season in the National Hockey League, has registered 70, 7-0 multi-goal games. The franchise leader in the entirety of Toronto Maple Leafs history in multi-goal games is Daryl Sittler with 71. Dare I say before the end of this season... Austin Matthews will become the franchise leader in multi-goal games for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Sadly, the two goals last night come in a loss, but I'm just having so much fun watching Austin Matthews, I, I don't even know how much it bothers me <laughs> that the Leafs lost the game last night. That guy is some kind of hockey player. It is 9-13. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty
And time for your Farwell Show five things to keep in mind for today. Number one, a winter storm watch is in effect anywhere from 10 to 25 centimeters of snow expected through tonight and into tomorrow here in the region. Number two, internal government documents show that federal civil servants warned the government two years ago that large increases to immigration could affect housing affordability and services in Canada. (laughs) You don't say. Number three on your Farwell Show, five things to keep in mind for today. The chief of police in Toronto says officers will now be assessing protests related to the Israel-Hamas war held at certain locations with a, quote, criminal lens and are prepared to make arrests if necessary. Meantime, one protester has been charged with a hate crime after allegedly marching through Toronto's downtown while waving a flag of a group the federal government has declared a terrorist organization. Number four on your Farwell Show, five things to keep in mind for today. Israel today defending itself at the United Nations highest court, insisting the war in Gaza is a legitimate defense of its people and not a genocide, as it has been accused of carrying out and number five federal mps met yesterday to consider a request for a study on cell phone package price increases even though the canadian telecommunications association says cellular costs have declined more than 47 percent over the past five years industry minister francois philippe champagne says canadian consumers are still paying too much despite progress on lowering prices it is 9.15. And just quickly on that winter storm watch, I know we've been hearing about it since yesterday. I know that we're going to get a pretty good dumping of snow. Somewhere between 10 and 25 centimeters, I suppose, we're using that much of a range depending on the track of the storm. But just remember, I mean, if you booked a reservation at a local restaurant tonight or you were planning on attending some sort of entertainment venue, it's okay to carry on with those plans. What we've got here for you when it comes to the weather is a reminder that it might take you longer to get there. You're going to have to be careful on the roads, etc. But I just, I think about our local businesses at times like this. And and I would hate to see, you know, reservations uh, not fulfilled or people changing plans just because they're afraid of the weather. These, These businesses do count on our patronization. So uh, let's not let the weather dissuade us if we can help it, okay? Just take a little bit of extra time and make sure you get to wherever it is that you're going safely. I want to take a moment to applaud the 24 or so, the couple of dozen hockey teams in Newfoundland who have said, you know what? I hear you with this idea of a ban, but I'm not going to pay any attention to it. I'm going to ignore the ban, and I'm going to do the right thing. At least I believe it's the right thing. So I don't know if you heard this. It it came into the news before Christmas, and I had wanted to talk about it on the show, but it was Christmas holidays, and then by the time Christmas holidays ended, it just felt like it was kind of older news. But I was really frustrated when minor hockey associations in Newfoundland were told, you know what, those end-of-game handshakes, they're no longer a thing. We are banning the end-of-game handshakes. Why? 
because too many players were getting suspended for their shenanigans during the end-of-game handshakes. And it was just becoming too dangerous a situation. There was there was too much danger of things going awry during the post-game handshake. So minor hockey associations in Newfoundland said, no more, we're banning the post-game handshake. Well, about one-fifth of the total games, about a dozen games, since the end of the Christmas break have still ended in a post-game handshake. And to those teams and those coaches, I applaud you, good sirs. Well done by you. Because when this ban was announced, I thought, what a cop-out this is. You're you're banning the post-game handshake because too many players can't control their emotions and they end up engaging in fights and getting suspended. So because of all the suspensions, you're going to ban the handshake? Hey, here's an idea. Why don't you teach your players sportsmanship? How about that? So instead of doing the, the harder work, obviously, and, and teaching sportsmanship to the players and letting them know that as competitive as the game may be, we're still going to line up at the end of the game and shake hands? You're just going to ban the handshakes? Come on. So that, that says to me that even as coaches, they can't control their own emotions. So I am all for these teams still engaging in the post-game handshake. My sporting events include the national anthem at the start and the post-game handshake at the end. I think this ban is the goofiest thing, and I applaud those teams that have defied the ban and still lined up at the end of a game or a tournament and, (gasps) perish the thought, shook hands with the opponent with whom they had just competed in the game. Good on you teams for defying the ban because the ban is ridiculous. This is the Mike Farwell Show on a Friday morning. City News second Devin Robertson is the guy on the other side of the glass it's January the 12th right that is correct okay okay so it's not October nope okay all right so now that we got that clear the hell kind of music is this the type of music that was requested (laughs) (laughs) you see this is one of those moments where you say be careful what you wish for, or be careful perhaps what you offer up. It is all Request Friday. Let me guess. Let me guess. There is a distinct polka theme to that particular piece of music. I gotta think it's our buddy Kyle who requested that one. The one and only. The one and only Kyle wanted a little roll out the barrel on January the 12th. I guess there's never a bad time to polka. Uh, I'm sure if we ask Kyle, he'd agree. (laughs) (laughs) Devin, you're doing the Lord's work over there. Good job by you. It is an all-request Friday here on the program where we take your request to play a little bit of a song that might interest you. 519-570-2545, star 570, 
and 1-800-570-5715. 925, five minutes away from your 930 update. Always time to talk to you on the program. Mike is with us this morning. Morning, Mike. Good morning, Mike. How are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you? Uh, not too bad. Good. Um, I kind of agree with you on the on the ban. Okay, the um, ban of the handshakes of uh, yeah. at the minor hockey games. Yeah. But what I what I do like about the ban is you know there's always that obligation to shake hands after a game, and I'm sure you've been to enough minor hockey games to see those games where things are kind of getting out of hand during the game. Um, but then you still do that ob- obligatory handshake, and you can tell your players whatever you want to tell them. But if the other players on the other team aren't being told the same thing by their coach, and you know the coaches I'm talking about, we all see them, right? Um, where they they're reliving their their glory days through the kids, um, and some of them are are kind of of that same mindset. So what I do like about the band is as long as they're not punishing you for actually shaking hands after the game, it gives a coach the option to say, "Okay, boys." straight to the dressing room. We're not going to deal with any of this shenanigans after the game. I, I get that part, Mike, but honest to goodness, we're talking about minor hockey here, and if we can't control our emotions as adults and pass that down to the kids, I think that's the real problem here. The ban just makes it okay for us to lose our tempers like that and walk away from the game. Yeah, no, you know what? I, I get that. Um, and and But I'm, I'm very involved in baseball, and, and and I'll tell you, my kids did play hockey, and I wasn't as involved because I'm not as much of a hockey guy, but I would watch from the stands. And I'm going to tell you, the things I saw in the stands in hockey <laughs> and, and the things that I saw on the ice in hockey are just, I don't know, it's just a different animal. It's a much, I guess it's just a much more emotional game. Stuff happens out there, and... and and I get it. Hey, I, I wish everyone would just keep cooler heads, and I'm, I'm all for the sportsmanship. That's why I'm involved in minor sports still, because I believe that it teaches things that you need to know in life, right? But those, those people do exist, and, and they are there. And what do you, like, I mean... Can we just ban I, them instead, then? <laughs> I, I would, love, I would yeah. love to, right? Except then what happens when they say, hey, we got no coach. <laughs> ah, I hope somebody with a better temperament and who teaches sportsmanship could come along. Yep, no, I, I, I agree with you. It's, a, it's an unfortunate situation that I think they just had to make a, a decision on, right? And, and I, I, I think they did the best they could, but um, I, I agree with you. It's unfortunate, um, but, but I like the idea that if the coach sees that things are just out of hand, he can get his players off the ice and, and avoid it all. Mike, I appreciate the conversation. Thanks for weighing in. Have a great day. And I, I get that side of it. For me, it's just, it, it screams that, oh, well, I, I can't control myself. I have no interest in teaching my young players sportsmanship. Yeah, I'm not going to shake hands with the other team. I, I think we should emphasize that aspect of the game when we get young kids involved and when we join those organizations as coaches, as leaders, whatever the sport is. Mike's right there. There's something unique. We take our hockey so ding-dang seriously. I love it too. But you know what else I love? The handshake line at the end. All right, we're going to get you an update from the City News Center, and then let's meet the new Ward 10 counselor in the city of Kitchener. The appointed Stephanie Stretch joins us next to talk about The job ahead for the next almost three years. This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570. 
but committed no crime and bad mistakes I've made a few I've had my I mean, it wasn't intentional, but I think it kind of fits in. It might be the sort of song you would play with the volunteers that helped you win an election. Could have been. Lorraine sent that in by request this morning on this All Request Friday here on the Mike Farwell Show. And I bring up celebrating with your volunteers after an election win because... A little over a year ago, Stephanie Stretch was that close, that close to maybe playing such a song and celebrating with her volunteers that helped her win an election for a seat on Kitchener City Council. But she fell short by just more than 100 votes. Ashlyn Clancy won the seat, has since departed to join provincial politics, and lo and behold, Stephanie Stretch will now be appointed to that now vacant seat on Kitchener City Council. And Stephanie makes time for our show this morning. Uh, congratulations, champ. Hey, Mike. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks very much for making the time and, and going with the flow here this morning on our uh, All Request Morning. But how, how does it feel to be appointed the vacant, uh, the, the Ward 10 councillor in Kitchener? Yeah, it feels great. I had no idea what council was going to decide. I thought you could make really strong cases for a by-election and and an appointment, so I didn't know how it was going to go. <clears throat> so I just had to carry on as if nothing was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just had to, of course, I was paying attention, but, you know, I went to work that day, <laughs> just trying not to watch my phone constantly. How much, if anything, has changed for you, Stephanie, from the time you campaigned in the fall of 2022 to here in the winter of 2024 when you will join council? Have any of your ideas changed, or are you bringing the same platform, for lack of a better word, to the council? Yeah, absolutely. My values are still very much the same. Um, returning to you know some of the things I campaigned on, housing, sustainability, um, you know, not just ecological sustainability but fiscal and social those things are um still really you know really top of mind i think for all of council right now and you know reviewing this new strategic plan those things i think fit really beautifully into the strategic plan so really i need to play catch up and um understand the breadth of some of this strategic plan and how i can integrate um some of those some of those values um into it but a lot has changed for me. I um, I stopped working at Camino. I changed careers um, and was working on my Canadian securities courses and got a job with TD Private Wealth and was working there. Um, but got the call and had to had to quit my job. Because wow. they wanted my yeah they wanted my full attention at work which is understandable, um, and so couldn't see it working. So I had to make that that call, and which was hard, but 
I I really wanted to to be able to to be appointed and to do this job all along. You know, it, I was really sad when I lost in 2022. You know, Stephanie, this, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth here, but this speaks volumes to me as a job then that you really have, you know, want to be committed to and you are very much focused on. I mean, a lot of, and maybe you'll find something else to do with this quote-unquote part-time job on council, but that's a big step to leave your your new career to take the council seat. Yeah, it's huge. And uh, it needs it needs a lot of commitment. And, you know, the, the people of Ward 10, um, they deserve that. You know, I really need to focus, focus on bringing a voice back to the table for them. Um, I'll be definitely focused on reconnecting. But I, I, I do look forward to giving this my full attention. It's been... A roller coaster of a ride, and not always easy to get here. That's for sure. Um, but you know, it's good. I feel like I get both things. I, you learn a lot when you lose <laughs> about yourself, and so I feel like I lost. I got to learn that lesson, even though I didn't want to learn it. You know, I wanted to win, but I get that lesson. And now, through all of these different you know, things that had to happen just right. I get to win too. I get the whole experience. It's, it's pretty amazing. It it seems to me outside looking in that this is almost like changing schools and, you know, the other kids in the school are already used to it and comfortable and you have to kind of find your place. Does it feel weird in any way starting, you know, one quarter of the way through the term? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I need, like I said, I, I definitely need to play catch up, but everyone has been so kind. I went yesterday and signed my eligibility papers and I met with some of the staff and saw some of the counselors there and Barry's been so warm um, and everyone has just been, you know, offering like, I'm here to help, let me know. So I feel really great about asking questions because I'm asking a lot of questions. I have a lot to learn. So people have made it so far. I mean, day one, not even. You know, I get sworn in on January 22nd. They don't officially start until then, but you're just going through all of HR and getting the fob and all of those things. People have just been really encouraging. Did it ever occur to you uh, in this decision-making process to politely decline the appointment? Yeah, of course. Um, some of my closer friends will know, you know, we, we sat down and uh, we talked it through. But but in the end, for me, it was, I had to go where my heart was. Um, yeah, it's less money. It's, you know, it's a it's, it's going to be a lot of work. But it's where my passion is. It's really what I wanted to do. You know, I just had to set it down because I lost. I had to move on. Um but yeah, I had to return to all of those feelings and go, yeah, no, this is this is right. What makes this your passion, Stephanie? I really I really want to use my skills to help. And I believe with the skills I have I can I can help Kitchener and I can make a difference. I think my own values align really well with the vision, the new vision for the city and the strategic plan. So I I just feel like I have something to offer. I can't see far enough down the road to say this is exactly how I will do it, but 
um, you know, I can see the path. What can residents of Ward 10 expect from you as their representative? They can expect um, a willingness to learn and they can expect consistency and um, I hope they can expect excellence. You know, I have some catch up to play, but yeah, I hope to, I hope to, to be good at this. Ward 10 is one of those wards in Kitchener that straddles the downtown. You kind of get the one side of King and Ward 9 gets the other. And then moving, I guess, south, I always get confused with my directions in Kitchener. But nonetheless, I know it's more than just downtown. (laughs) (laughs) I I know the ward is more than just downtown, but downtown is such a, a critical piece of any city, really. How do you feel about where our downtown is at today? I mean, 40 plus story towers, a new one across the street in Ward 9, but it's going to be more than 50 uh, stories, et cetera. How do you feel about where we're at in our downtown? Yeah, I mean, I live down here um, in downtown. I Ward 10 home, like it's home to a lot of the, the major issues, uh, like you were talking about. Um, but I think there's a really good balance to be found. You know, I live in a historical neighborhood. So I understand the the needs um, as well as some of the wants. And I'm really looking forward to working collaboratively with council on this. Um, There's some experience there and some wisdom that I I need to soak up and then, um, you know, hopefully be able to to work not just with the city and downtown core, but also regionally so we can make some really wise plans for the downtown core. But we have a lot of complex issues, you know, that still have the encampment at and Weber. Um, we have, you know, not far away from there, we have the safe injection site. We have, have the ion running through Ward 10. So we, we got it all. <laughs> we do have it all. And now you have it all, or at least uh, a part of it. So <laughs> listen, I know it's been a whirlwind of a week for you, and we've been back and forth on email. Thank you for making the time in this whirlwind of a week. And I, I hope it's just the beginning of many conversations to come. Yeah, thanks, Mike. And thanks for being patient as I took a few days to figure out, um, yeah, what was next in life for me. So thank you. Oh, my gosh, absolutely. I mean, this this is a big moment for sure, and I feel as though I should have been saying this about 14 months ago, but congratulations. No, thank you so much. <laughs> I'm so excited and really just really thankful to be in this spot. feels like I'm back on track, you know? Well, I will let you dive into all of that and, again, look forward to the next conversation. Thanks for being here this morning, Stephanie. Thanks, Mike. Stephanie Stretch is your new Ward 10 counselor in the city of Kitchener. Yeah, she gave it some thought. The opportunity was there. She had the option of saying, nope, thanks, I've moved on. But instead, she's going where her passion has always led her, and that is into municipal politics. And Stephanie Stretch will be the new Ward 10 counselor in the city of Kitchener. It's 9.45. we got to take a quick break. When we come back, I, I just had to double check when I got the message from my good friend John Tutt over at Princess Cinemas. and He told me that they're screening a movie this weekend, not once but twice. It'll be tonight and tomorrow. And, and it's a movie that is widely regarded as one of the worst ever made. John, 
why would you screen the worst movie ever made, not once but twice this weekend? <laughs> we'll talk to one of the actors in that film coming up. Stay with us on the Mike Farwell Show. This is City News 570. This weekend, the original Princess Cinema in Waterloo is doing what the original Princess does so well, and that is celebrating all things cinema, in this case, the 20th anniversary of a movie called The Room. If you haven't heard of it, well, that's probably okay, because it's widely regarded as one of the worst films ever made. So why celebrate it with a screening both tonight and tomorrow? Maybe we'll find out a little bit more as we're joined by one of the performers in said film, Greg Sestero, joins the show. Greg, good morning. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to coming back to Waterloo. Princess Cinemas is always a, always a good time. We're looking forward to having you here, but I, I've got to start with the idea that this is regarded by many as the worst movie ever made. That's a rather dubious distinction, is it not, Craig? Yeah, it's really it's funny nowadays. You gotta people react to headlines, and I think that that headline, oddly enough, has served the room so well for so many years because people are like, "The best worst movie, I gotta see it." But really, for me, after twenty years now, the movie's been out for twenty years. Um. You know, I didn't think anybody would ever see this film. But here we are 20 years later, and generations now love this movie. You've got 11-year-olds watching it. Um, I really realized there's something about it that works. And so it's really fun to come to screenings and see. Like, I've met people that have gotten married because of this film. So, I don't know, bad movie, good movie. At this point, I'm like, I think any filmmaker wants to make something that was for 20 years. And, um, you know, the princess has been a big supporter of it. You know, it's interesting that people would get married because of a movie that deals with an extramarital affair. I know, but I think that's what's so funny. They go out, they go see the room on a first date, and it's like it brings them together, I think, because they can't stop laughing. It's sort of the anti-romance movie, but again, I cannot tell you how many people have told me this, the room has improved our relationship. We, like, quote it. We laugh about it. We have tattoo. We named our, our cat after you. So I don't know. I think after 20 years, I've sort of let it all go and be like, hey, people love this movie. That's really all that matters. What was it 20 years ago that attracted you to the role? So I, um, I got involved uh, way early on. I met uh, the creator of the movie, Tommy Wiseau, in an acting class. I, people thought he was a real-life vampire. I just thought he was a really funny, eccentric performer. We became friends, roommates. And then he wrote the script for The Room and said, I had to play the role of Mark. And if I didn't play the role of Mark, it'd be the biggest mistake I ever made. So up until the night of filming, I was not going to do The Room. But he convinced me the night before filming to do it. So I was more, for me, helping out a friend. I didn't ever think, again, The Room was sort of like 
you know, it's like you and your buddy making an expensive home video. It, it was never something that I took as like, oh, this is going to be the role. I kind of was backed into it and just kind of did it, I'd say, for fun in a way. And then that was it. I expected nobody to see it. And then years later, people in L.A. started watching it. These film students became obsessed with it. Celebrity fans. It was like Jonah Hill, Paul Rudd. All these celebrity comedians love the room. And then that's when it sort of took on a life of its own. And that's when I got the idea to write The Disaster Artist, which is my experience making the room because i thought that story in itself that could make a good film and that's when i wrote the book so i embraced it um you know i always embraced it it just wasn't something i thought people would see once they saw it i was like okay guys if you like the room you're gonna love the story behind it you mentioned the support that you've received from the princess over the years and you will be you are in town for the movies both tonight and tomorrow, which includes, like, it's an interactive experience for the audience, isn't it? Yeah, they, you know, the Waterloo audiences, they really go, I mean, there's so many flying spoons in the theater <laughs> afterwards, you, you can't even walk on the stage, it's pretty hilarious, but the Princess Cinemas, when you're in that, in the original cinema, man, the energy in there is electric. Um, you can hear the crowd from, like, across the street. So I always enjoy coming here. It's been a while, um, but uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what how many spoons they throw this time. Well, and it, it, it's got that, uh, if I may uh, make a comparison to another movie, that Rocky Horror Picture feel to it when you're, you know, that interactive with the film. Yeah, again, I didn't know what the Rocky Horror Picture show was before The Room. I didn't know that people would interact and throw things at the screen <laughs> during the during the screening. But it is. It is. It's become the the new Rocky Horror for this generation. You also will be presenting a new film, which I I got to say, after watching the trailer, Greg, for Big Shark, I think you're maybe trying to replace The Room as worst movie ever made. Like lots of sharks in very weird places. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm actually not in Big Shark. Um, I'm here to help present it, um, but um, I'm not in it. I think it's something that. If you saw the room, you definitely should check out. Uh, you owe it to yourself. <laughs> Sharks in New Orleans. The movie is shot on location, uh, so I will be presenting it. And it, I think it's, it is a very, very unique double feature to come watch. Uh, there's truly nothing else like these movies out there. Uh, so it's pretty awesome we get to present it uh, in one night. Did you ever think? Like I'm just going back on on that story that Tommy talks you into basically the night before appearing in this film you're you're essentially doing a favor for a friend did you ever think 20 years ago it would lead to what it's become this cult classic that is the room and here you are back in waterloo presenting big shark and interacting with the audience during the room tonight uh no i mean like i said i didn't think really anybody would see this film i had a vhs of it and i showed my family and they were aghast they were like this is insane what is this and I would show friends to, for shock value, but that's what I thought that was the extent of it. So it's just incredible. It goes to show in the, in the world of movies, you have no idea what people are going to like. You can do everything right and people don't care. You can do everything wrong and people love it. And that's the beauty of movies, and that's why I think we keep coming back. So it's, it's become a really fun um, journey to, to come back to Waterloo. I have friends in Waterloo now. I love The Princess. And it, it almost feels like hanging out with a big group of friends and watching movies. So... You know, at the end of the day, you make movies to bring joy to people, and uh, The Room does that. 
So I guess you gotta you got to be at peace with it. I couldn't agree more, and that's really well said. Greg, looking forward to having you back in Waterloo this weekend. Thanks very much for making time for the show this morning. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Greg Sestero is the co-star of the worst movie ever made. <laughs> How would you like to carry around that title with you? It's called The Room, and uh, it is going to be screened both tonight and tomorrow at the original Princess in Waterloo. And it'll be followed, it's part of a double feature, with Big Shark, which is uh, Tommy Wiseau's, who directed The Room, uh, next feature. And Greg will be presenting that as well. It's uh, 21 bucks for a single admission or thirty-one fifty to take in both. And uh, dare I say, you won't have a better bad time at the movies. You can check out princesscinemas.com if you're looking for more details. We've got an update from the City News Centre coming your way. And then uh, Ontario, def- uh, Ontario deficits, uh, Ontario universities, about half of them are running deficits. How did we get here? And how can we improve things? We'll talk about that next on the Mike Farwell Show. This is City News 570. With a snowstorm on the way, a little bit of Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Wizards of Winter, thanks, Sean, for making the request on this all-request Friday here on the Mike Farwell Show. Something that you no doubt heard about during All News Afternoons yesterday is the plight that Ontario universities find themselves in when it comes to finances. Nearly half of Ontario's universities are running deficits. Steve Orsini is the president and CEO of the Council of Ontario Universities and joins us to talk about it. Steve, good morning. Good morning. How did we get here? How did Ontario's universities find themselves in such seemingly dire financial straits? Well, we're at a breaking point and it's really due to a number of factors. One is uh, declining real per student operating grants. So funding has not kept up with the number of students and inflation. The second thing is the government had cut and froze tuition. They were facing a cut and freeze for five years. And the government's own expert panel noted that that has reduced the value of tuition. We can factor in inflation as well by 25%. And then we've had the end of the government's wage freeze, uh, Bill 124, that as a result, universities have had a sudden and retroactive impact of more than $345 million. When you add that all up, universities are facing severe financial difficulty and they're and at least 10 universities are forecasting deficits this year, totaling $175 million, growing to $273 million next year. So universities are facing significant financial difficulties. 
how do we fix the problem? Well, the government had the foresight to appoint an expert panel early last year. They supported the panel's consultations and deliberations. And late last year, the panel came up with a series of recommendations. And it's three parts. One is you got to boost operating grants. You can't allow them to decline as long as they have. You have to restore. And they're recommending a 10% boost in operating grants. Then the, the panel said the government has to end the freeze on tuition and allow some increases while protecting low-income students. And then the third area is the government needs to invest in special programs such as northern universities, French programming, and research and innovation. And we believe, as the panel did, that if the government were to implement all those recommendations, that would put universities on a sustainable path. The provincial government has suggested that until universities demonstrate that they are operating efficiently, there will be no additional funding provided. Are universities in Ontario, Steve, operating efficiently? We support anything we can do as a sector to lower costs, find efficiencies. And we released a report in December of last year, outlining the history of all the things we've done, what we're currently doing, and what we propose to do. So we agree, if we can find efficiencies, we're going to find them, because we'll be part of the solution. The challenge is, after years of belt tightening, we've done a lot to date, and further belt tightening is not gonna solve the magnitude of the problems universities face. And I'll also add, the government's own experts said in their report that when you look at Ontario universities, we're among the most efficient in the country when you look at our total salary and benefits per student. And the panel goes out of its way to say, universities should be recognized for their accomplishments to date And then they go forward and say, but we can do more, and we agree. And we have a plan, and we released that publicly and with government in late December, in December. So we, we, everyone has to contribute. The government needs to step up. We're asking students to step up while protecting low-income students, and universities are stepping up. But also note, the panel also flagged that we are the lowest-funded in the country. In fact, when you look at funding for universities, we're only getting 57% of the national average. So we're doing more with less just by virtue of the level of funding. I, I don't get the sense, Steve, personally, that this government in Ontario today is all that keen on increasing funding. I could be wrong, but but what if, like, what what are the implications of the government not being a partner in this? Well, the government had the foresight to appoint the panel. We know they're seriously looking at the recommendations. But their own experts gave them notice. They said, if you fail to act, you're putting 
Ontario's reputation at risk. You're putting regional economies at risk. And, you, you, you know, universities play a big role in regional economies throughout the province. And you're putting foreign investment at risk. This is their own experts telling them the failure to ask will act will cost them more than if they were to invest. And so if they're it's all about investing in students. We have the highest graduation rates in the in the province. We have, you know, students graduate within six months. um, They're employed over 90 percent are employed. It grows to over 94% within two years, and 90% of their employment is related to their education. We've grown STEM enrollment by 68% since 2010. Medical, we're seeing you know, stress in the healthcare system. Universities are the ones that are training the doctors, the, the nurses, the other allied healthcare workers, that the economy desperately needs. So we're an important partner for the government, for our communities, and for the economy. And it'd be hard-pressed not for the government to act. You had the opportunity this week, Steve, to present at the government's Standing Committee on Finance and Economic Affairs, which led to the news that so many of Ontario's universities uh, were in some degree of financial peril. How do you feel your comments are received? Do you come away from the meeting optimistic? The the, the committee's doing pre-budget consultations. Uh, minister Bethlenfalvy, the finance minister, is holding his own pre-budget consultations, and we'll be speaking to him as well. There's an open dialogue because... The government, just like you know, universities and other uh, community partners, they want to make sure students are successful. Our economy needs the talent to be able to attract you know, the investment that we need to grow our economy. And so the Standing Committee on Finance and Economic Affairs was very interested. All parties were keenly interested into what were the issues. And what were the solutions and how can we work together? Because at the end of the day, our kids need a career and we need to provide the services for them to be successful. And one of the challenges we're seeing as students, you know, as students graduate from high school into universities, they're facing bigger challenges um, because that, whether it's mental health, career coaching, we need to ensure we have the resources available to them to ensure they're successful. We've been successful to date. We're very worried that as deficits grow, our ability to support students will be curtailed. We're already seeing universities have to cut a number of services, whether it's career counseling, extracurricular activities, and even mental health. And our concern is, if these deficits grow, there'll be less services for students. And we know that is crucial to their success. So we believe the government is very keenly interested in how to move forward. Steve, I appreciate you making time for the show today. Thanks very much for being here. Oh, thank you. My pleasure.
Steve Orsini is the president and CEO at the Council of Ontario Universities. He delivered opening remarks to the Standing Committee on Finance and Economic Affairs as pre-budget consultations get underway here in the province. And what the council is asking for is that the government lift its freeze on tuition and boost funding for post-secondary institutions by 10%. Because, you see, here in Ontario, we have the lowest per student funding. So as Steve says, we're doing more with less here in the province of Ontario. The government has said in this preliminary stage of discussions that there will not be additional funding until universities can demonstrate that they are spending what they have or operating efficiently. And of course, all of this comes under the backdrop of what I might be inclined to describe as a bit of a reckoning when it comes to post-secondary. I would argue that primarily that reckoning is happening south of the border, but you know how it goes. We are linked and linked very closely. And I think there's a little bit of a reckoning here in Canada as well insofar as what it is that we're teaching on university campuses, how that curriculum is being delivered, etc., But I, as you know, am a big believer in higher education and the pursuit thereof. And I think it's critically important for our future to have a well-educated workforce. So when I hear that nearly half of Ontario's universities are running deficits and there is some degree of financial distress here, uh, I think it is incumbent upon us to find ways to make these post-secondary institutions more sustainable. What do you think? Are we getting it right? Do we need to boost funding? Do we need to lift that tuition freeze? 519-570-2545. Star 570 and 1-800-570-5715. This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570 and Rogers TV. We're seeing stress in the healthcare system. Universities are the ones that are training the doctors, the, the nurses, the other allied healthcare workers that the economy desperately needs. So we're an important partner for the government, for communities, and for the economy. And it'd be hard-pressed not for the government to act. Steve Orsini is the president and CEO of the Council of Ontario Universities, joins us to talk this morning about how nearly half of Ontario's universities are currently running deficits. And the call from the council is that the Ontario government lift its freeze on tuition and further boost funding for post-secondary institutions by 10%. The government, of course, has said, and this is all preliminary, but nonetheless, the government has made it clear that you show me that you're operating efficiently, I'll show you some money. That's where we're at today. 519-570-2545. Star 570-1-800-570-5715. Joe, good morning. Morning, Mike. Um, you know, I kind of laugh my ass off at all this that's going on with the universities and the government. I really honestly don't understand the tuition freeze, especially for foreign students, because um, 
that that's a lot of investment coming into our country from um, you know other countries and uh, well-to-do families that want to put their kids through some of the best universities in the world, uh, not the least of which is Waterloo. But I kind of laugh my ass off because <clears throat> he's handing us the keys to the castle, giving us all kinds of incentives, us being skilled trades. I'm a skilled trades. I'm a tradesman. Um, I've never paid a nickel for school since I left high school. Not a dime. Either the companies I work for paid for my school or the government. Now now uh, the government is giving all kinds of bonuses, signing bonuses, tool allowances. Um, you know, it, it, I can't keep up with all the new incentives that the Ford government is coming up with for skilled trades. And I think there's a real disparity between promotion at the uh, human resources level in the high schools, uh, universities over trades. And I think it's really sad because pretty much every one of my friends, uh, not, not myself notwithstanding, I'm retired by the way, um, I could work, I could go work if I want to. Uh, I could go work for the nuclear plant up at Bruce for about $250,000 a year. Um, but all of my friends that own skilled trades companies make tens of millions of dollars combined. And it's that because everybody's beating their, beating their ass up trying to get into a university uh, so that they have a, you know, a long, a long lasting career and, and a wonderful future. How many more lawyers do we need, Mike? How many more freaking lawyers do we need? We don't need any more lawyers. So I think it, I'm, I kind of, you know, chuckle a little bit. I kind of feel a little sorry for students that are hoping to find a career in youth out of university because um, we, we're where it's at. So that's my opinion, and I, I feel sorry for all you kids that are going to, you know, lose out on the university promotion, but it is what it is. All right, Joe. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, I like lawyers, so I don't know how many more we need, but I like them. So if you want to become one, you go right ahead and pursue that law degree. It is a worthwhile endeavor, as I believe is any post-secondary pursuit. I hear where Joe is coming from, and I think the keys that are being handed over are coming from the Council of Ontario Universities when they're talking about these, uh, this financial plight, or maybe Joe means the provincial government handing over the keys. But I, I get where Joe is coming from. And when I say that I'm such a strong believer in post-secondary education, I mean colleges and universities. And when it comes to universities, I will even say, yes, an arts degree. I get teased for mine all the time. I'm so grateful for it, I cannot even describe the opportunity to devour some knowledge, to do some more learning. So whatever it is you're pursuing beyond high school, pursue it and pursue the heck out of it, in my humble estimation. Jim, good morning. Good morning, Mike. My wife has a great saying. If you get an education, you can still dig ditches or be a plumber or work with your education. Uh, tell Joe that next time he has a problem with his heart or something, he can go to one of his plumber friends. I'm sorry that uh, the universities, like the University in London, uh, 
Brescia University is actually closing the beginning of May. It's the only all-women's university in Canada, and it's strictly lack of funding. Uh, I believe, the, I'm not 100% sure, the funding went from 75% to 17% by the provincial governments. It, it's just a shame. We do need educated people, uh, and it's wonderful we bring in the foreign students to make up the difference, but for every chair that a foreign student takes is a chair that one of our own students cannot take. Thanks, Mike. Have a good day. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate the call. I, I love the comment. Maybe Joe can get his plumber friends to work on his heart. There's there's room for all of us here, and there are many a worthy pursuit, right? Next time Joe's in a crash in the truck that I know he likes to drive, he might need a lawyer too. So, hey, there you go. But I think Jim sums it up pretty well. And I think we're being, we're being pretty short-sighted if we don't think about the implications of underfunding our post-secondary institutions. All right, we're going to get you an update from the City News Centre. And then the second weekly edition of Living Retired. Last week in our debut, Gary Chalk, our guest, hinted at this thing, or should I say these things, that we have all over our house. We have so many dozens and dozens and dozens of them. And yet, can we keep them all organized? We're going to talk about it. Coming up with Living Retired on the Mike Farwell Show, City News 570 and Rogers TV. I can't stop this feeling deep inside of me. Girl, you just don't realize what you do to me when you hold me in your arms so tight. You let me know everything's alright. Hooked on a feeling, Blue Swede. I am reconsidering my life choices this morning. On the whose idea was all request Friday anyway? Holy Hannah, y'all are a bunch of weirdos. I'll tell you that. And perhaps the weirdest amongst the weird is our guest every Friday morning at this time, who writes the humor column, "Living Retired," Mister Gary Chalk, Uga Chaka. Uga Chaka, my friend. <laughs> Good morning, Mike. You know, some people they like their song, their their lyrics to to be meaningful. You know, like someone left a cake out in the rain. Well, I prefer a love song. You know, Uga Chaka, Uga Chaka. <laughs> in case you hadn't put two and two together, that was Gary's request. And you know, just as a brief aside here, Gary, the way I interpret and or otherwise understand lyrics everything sounds like uga chaka to me i never get i sing the wrong lyrics all the time so there I'll you tell go you sometimes you look or listen to the lyrics and you're thinking what were they thinking <laughs> that's true that's true and with uga chaka maybe it's best not to even ask the question you're right <laughs> just, just 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 sing along and leave it at that exactly exactly it's great to get you back for another edition of living retired which of course is based on your very popular humor column and and you left us I, i'll tell you what i know i had the wrong answer because you have since shared with me 
the answer, but you left us with a whale of a tease last week, Gary, when you talked about these things that we have dozens, if not hundreds, of at home, and yet we can't seem to keep them all organized. I, I'm sure the firewall residence is the same as the chalk resident. <laughs> Everybody listening, that you have to have dozens and dozens of these things in your in your in your house. And I'm not talking about old remote controls. That's what I thing. thought you were talking about. That, that was right? my guess. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's unveil it. It's food storage containers, oh. and uh, you know, I think the generic name is Tupperware. Yep. And, uh, and, and, you know, this past fall, my, my wife makes a, uh, a chili sauce, and it's uh, the Clark chili sauce. It's her side of the family. It involves peeling tomatoes, cutting up vegetables, put it all in the soup pot, and then you have to stir for about two, two and a half hours. And love Jan, she does all that. My responsibility is when it just gets to that perfect temperature, and she'll, she'll make maybe two or three batches so we can freeze it. Uh, that's when she'll say, Gary, get out the Tupperware. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, well, first of all, I, I think we should just get uh, 911 on our speed dial and whatever. I go, uh, we keep our Tupperware up over top in a cupboard in the, in the kitchen, and I, I, I opened it up, and I'm telling you, there was this low rumble... And eventually, it was a full-on Tupperware avalanche. This stuff came pouring out. It's containers of round ones, circular, squares, rectangular, a whole mishmash of lids. Nothing matches. It's tumbling down onto the floor. One fell into the soup pot. Another one fell on a hot burner. We've got now plastic melting on the stove. It's, it's a mess. Well, you know what I like? most about this is that getting the Tupperware is a chore unto itself. Because <laughs> right? this is, we all deal with this kind of cupboard and or drawer. You got it. And, and actually, it's, it's on our grocery list staple every week. It just says, you know, milk, bread, butter, Tupperware. We just, <laughs> we just buy more. You know, that, that avalanche and, and the mess that it causes, I love the image of the, the burning plastic on yep. the stovetop, but <laughs> The thing for me always, Gary, is then matching the lid with the container that somehow you find. That's well, another entire. That's, that's another job entirely. Well, there's a conspiracy theory on that, Mike. They don't match. They they, they <laughs> do not match. That's why. That's that's why. Once again, people end up in therapy. You can't match your Tupperware lids to your containers. <laughs> Did, did you know how it came about, all these, these Tupperwares? It was back in the mid, late 50s or 60s, and um, there was a fellow, I think his name was Earl, Earl Tupper. And this is true, he invented the, 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 the product. But if you'll recall back at that time, it was the space war, the Americans and the Russians. And they had these little capsules that they used to put, the in Russia's example, the, the cosmonaut in. And they were just little eating beans. They, 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 they'd, they'd sort of squish the cosmonaut in. Well, actually, what it was was a uh, Tupperware salad container. It was a salad spinner. And I'm sure what they did was they just got them in and they burped the lid to make sure it was nice and tight and then just put on a, a Whammoth jet engine on the back and blew them up into orbit. And that, that, I'm sure that's the, that's the what we can trace it back to. Burping the lid. I haven't heard that terminology in quite some time. Well, when before our, our son Tyler was born, Jan and I used to practice burping Tupperware so we'd know how to burp our, our, our new baby. <laughs> 
Who knew it had a secondary purpose like that? Exactly, exactly. I remember fondly being in the kitchen with my mom, and, oh, she was, is the best baker. I grew up on her cookies, as is evidence when you meet me. I still love them. (laughs) And on occasion, I would help get the cookies or something else into the Tupperware containers. And this is from a time, Gary, where I'm sure you well know, there were parties based around these storage containers. So it was all Tupperware, and the, the key was work your thumbs all the way around the lid, right, to make sure you get the perfect seal. Yes. 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 I remember those Tupperware home parties. Now, I was, I don't know, maybe 10 or 11 years old. I know that in Waterloo you have Ezra Avenue parties. Believe me, they were nothing like the Grove Crescent parties in Brantford where I grew up. And it was usually a Tuesday night. Ladies through the, the neighborhood would be invited over to a Tupperware home party. And when they all gathered, there was no alcohol, sir. So that made it different from Ezra Avenue, I guess. But what, what, well, what they did, did they, they ate sandwiches made on red and green bread that was sort of cut into triangles. And they actually used, used uh, fresh bananas to put inside those, those sandwiches. And then they would demonstrate all the new products, you know, the latest laundry container, a spaghetti jar, a cheese grater, or whatever. And then they'd have a draw at the end. And I remember the time my mom came home, and she, Mike, she was thrilled. She had actually won that Tupperware home party gift that night. It was, a, it was about seven inches long, light green. It was the Tupperware grapefruit knife. You know, you got me thinking here, Gary. I think Tupperware was the original Amazon. They helped you get things that you didn't know you needed. Exactly. Right? You're right. You're right. (laughs) We have Tupperware containers where we store Tupperware containers. Right. You know, I have to be honest, though. Like, I, I love the idea. I love the idea of Tupperware as much as I love the idea of Rubbermaid totes for the basement or the garage. There you go. There you go. You know, I think Tupperware was probably, as you say, it, 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 it was the, the, the pre, predecessor to Rubbermaid totes. Yep. Because everything has a place. Exactly. You, everything has a place. It's yep. protected. It's, it's enclosed so it doesn't look as messy as it would otherwise look, and you're all set to go. Yep. No, you're, you're right. And I, I, I challenge you, when you go home this evening, Mike, open your fridge. What you'll see is Tupperware. <laughs> That's where all the leftovers are, Tupperware. Okay. Can, I, I know I'm going on a bit of a tangent here, but, but can we talk for a moment? Because you're absolutely right. I'll open the fridge. I'll see the Tupperware, and you just said the magic word, because that's where all the leftovers are. Yep. Gary, I love leftovers. I love them. But here's what happens in the Farwell household. Every time I'm in the fridge, and I see the Tupperware, and I'm like, oh, leftovers. And I pry open the lid to see what delicious leftovers are inside. <laughs> My beloved calls out, are you hungry? I'll make you something. I'm like, no, I want the, I love the leftovers. And you have to thin out the fridge. I mean, if you were at our place one night last week, we had a complete Christmas dinner. We had turkey, we had dressing, we had some vegetables, we had the cranberry sauce, we, gravy, we had it all, and that was in our Tupperware container in the fridge. Actually, it was from our Christmas 2019 meal. (laughs) 
and we're just trying to thin things out. Right. How do, do you label? Do you put like little pieces of tape? Or some of those containers now, I think I've seen over the years, have little places where you can put marks on of whatever date it is you put it in the fridge. Well, we used to do that, but going back to what we discussed earlier, Mike, is we can't fit the, 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 the lids on the container, so I have to wrap them in cellophane now so I can look right through and I can see what's in there. <laughs> okay, so here's one of the things I, I'm, I'm going to confess again, and I'll grant you, as a, a single guy, it's a lot easier to deal with because, you know, there's only you, and, yep. and I, am, I am a person who is of a... Uh, how shall I put this, particular character, okay? I like my things organized. I like things all, like, as long as it's neatly aligned, I'm, I'm pretty happy. So I, again, not needing even all the cupboard space that I had, I had plenty of room for the Tupperware, Gary, or the knockoff version that you buy when you're, you know, working for radio money. But I'll tell you, it was so organized. Every container of like size was stacked within each other and the lids were right underneath those individual containers. So and whatever I needed, the round one, the rectangular one, the square one, you name it, I could find it and its associated lid. As the years moved on and the family grew, it, it, I don't even I can't even describe the Tupperware area. And I wonder if this is a thing that we learn over time. You just give up, don't you? I mean, you'll go in and wait for the avalanche to fall, but you're not going to try to organize that stuff. Oh, for heaven's sakes, no. I just (laughs) sort of put it all together and jam it back in and close the door on the cupboard really quickly. (laughs) I think the newest product they should come out with, though, is a Tupperware Dewey Decimal System. Ooh, I like it. Yeah, so you could be able to instantly find what you're looking for. Now, it won't have a matching lid. You know that that's part of the part of the strategy, but but you should be able to to uh, come up with that. Uh, well, with the the where you store your tied pods in the uh, in the laundry room, you you'll be able to come up with it pretty quickly. You know, it won't have a proper fitting lid. But is it just me, or have you not over the years, from time to time, found a lid that? worked just well enough. You knew it wasn't the lid for that particular container, but it got the job done. Well, we actually have a Tupperware container out near the garage door because everybody always takes home leftovers and from parties and things, and they come home with somebody else's Tupperware container. So we put those things in a special Tupperware container, and it's just a mishmash, and then we put little notes on, you know, this is for, for Rick and Judy, uh, this one over here is for Bob and Martha, and that's how we sort of categorize things. And, and then, inevitably, the, the wrong container goes to the wrong person with the wrong lid. Gary Chalk writes the humor column, Living Retired. You can uh, see it for yourself, sign up online, livingretired.press. Can you relate? I suspect you can. Have you figured out your own household Dewey Decimal System to keep this stuff organized? Gary and I are always happy to hear from you during this Living Retired segment. Stay with us as we continue on City News 570 and Rogers TV. This is the Mike Farwell Show.
Why do I feel like I'm at a Guelph Storm game? Hang on a second here. Little thunderstruck from ACDC as requested by Jocelyn this morning on this All Request Friday. And Annie sends an email to Mike at 570news.com. I'm loving this All Request Friday. So far, the choices have been great. Even hooked on a feeling, which is a moldy oldie I haven't heard in eons. I hope you keep this up. Uh, Gary Chalk is the humor columnist behind Living Retired. Gary, it was you who requested Hooked on a Feeling. Annie just said, it's a moldy oldie. I can't help but feel as though we have to take that personally. Oh, I'm offended. (laughs) Are we moldy oldies? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, You you know it's official when you got your suspenders. We are, we're talking this morning about the uh, the Tupperware conundrum that every household experiences. And as you've pointed out, you uh, can end up, when you open that door, being buried under an avalanche because you keep yours in a cupboard that's up on high. Maybe it's time to find a lower spot for it, Gary. Well, we tried that, but after a while, you can't lean down. We had so many Tupperware containers, I had to lean up. <laughs> You know what I'm looking forward to this summer, Mike, is, a, is our, our uh, annual chalk family picnic. Um, it, it's a Tupperware get-together. Everybody comes with their Tupperware. My, my sister, Diane, she has had the deviled egg server Tupperware piece. And it's a, it's a circular thing, maybe 14 inches in diameter, maybe an inch or so tall. And it has room for probably 16 or so deviled eggs cut in half. And you put that lid on top of it, and you, and you burp it. And <laughs> always got to burp the lid. Always got to burp the lid. And um, and and why is it whenever I open up a Tupperware container, for whatever reason, I burp the lid before I open it? Well, it's like burping the baby before bed, right? I guess it is. I guess. And you know that brings back fond memories. My mother still has that Tupperware container, yep. and my mother knows that deviled eggs are one of my absolute favorite things. Everybody thinks I just love butter tarts and beer, which is true, but almost as much do I love deviled eggs. And so if she ever comes for dinner, she will make them and bring them in that container, and I know I'm in for a good night. Because I can, I, I tell you right now, I can eat all 16 of them. <laughs> and you know, if, if it's in Tupperware, it's got to be good. It's got to be good. I remember that tagline. That just goes to show how ingrained in us this whole Tupperware thing is. Well, we can't go uh, go a week. You know, many people, they have Taco Tuesday. We have Tupperware Tuesday. <laughs> what we try to do, again, go into that refrigerator and thin out what we can do. And um, the, 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 the problem is, all that Tupperware now has to be washed. Oh, my goodness. That's oh. a whole ordeal. And then drying, which has usually been my duty when it comes oh. to dish duty. Oh. And the, you got to get under the lid, like exactly. uh, the, the rim. and oh, oh, yeah. It's impossible. It is impossible. It's impossible. I, again, it's a conspiracy against men. That's <laughs> it. I know it. Here's one. How about for your your uh, minor hockey players? You're talking about it earlier this morning. How about Tupperware hockey sticks and pucks? We might have a lot less injury. Yes. And as you said, I mean, if it's Tupperware, it's got to be good. And the stick would be placed into a into a, a carry all unit, which would be Tupperware. Away you go. Away you go. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, where can oh. folks find your musings and ramblings? That's what it is. 
<laughs> Tupperware, they are into so many things. You know, you can actually get a, a can opener. You can get a, uh, you can get a, a believe, believe me on this one, a wine screw made out of Tupperware. Come on, you can. You can. Oh, my goodness. I, I know somebody that's going on to... Uh, a Tupperware site right now to order that wine screw. I guarantee. <laughs> I guarantee there's a package coming to the Farwell household. Oh, coming soon to a to a kitchen cupboard near you. Gary Chalk is the author behind Living Retired, a weekly humor column. You can learn more at livingretired.press. And Gary joins us every Friday morning at ten thirty. It's always good for a laugh, and goodness gracious, we need it. Thank you, Gary. And as we end the interview, let's raise a, raise a glass of, uh, of wine to Earl Tupper, and we can pour the wine in our Tupperware glass and use a Tupperware corkscrew to open it, and cheers to Earl, and then after we will burp. I can't help but feel as though Earl Tupper is a fictitious character, a figment of your imagination. You could have it. Maybe we'll, <laughs> we'll check on, on, online. It's all true, so there must be something there. Gary, thank you. Looking forward to next week. Our pleasure. Take care, Mike. Gary Chalk is the columnist who writes the humor column, Living Retired. Uh, you can find out more at livingretired.press. Get on the distribution list and get a chuckle of your own every Monday when that column comes out. And, of course, Gary brings it to life here with us on the show every Friday morning. <laughs> At 10.30. Oh, the Tupperware. I love the Tupperware, though. I honestly do. Getting into the fridge, finding those leftovers. The stuff works. Keeps those leftovers for several days. And you can just enjoy a meal again and again and again. All right. We're fast approaching 11 a.m., at which time, of course, we'll get you an update from the City News Center. And then it is our first Friday Four Roundtable of 22-4. That's right. We took last week off because it was a bit of a holiday feeling week, but we're back at it with another year of panelists to join us and talk about the week's big stories this week, including the appointment over the by-election in Kitchener, driver's licenses being renewed at Staples. How do we cut down on the number of pedestrian vehicle collisions and where, oh, where should we build that new hospital? All of that coming up with our Friday 4 roundtable as we continue this morning with the Mike Farwell Show. This is City News 570 and Rogers TV. While it's true that we do like to look a little further afield from time to time for the issues we discuss here on the Friday 4 Roundtable, we have got ourselves some juicy topics right here in our own backyard this week as we kick off another year of our Friday 4 Roundtables, our first of 2024, and very pleased to be joined by Linda Ockwell-Jenner, who is the president of MotivationalSteps.com. Linda, Happy New Year. Good morning. Good morning, Mike. Happy New Year, and you've got some lovely topics for us. We certainly do. I'm looking forward to them as well. Steve Bentley is here, Managing Principal, Northern River Financial. Good morning, Bentley. How you doing, Farwell? I'm great. Happy New Year, friend. Yeah, I was I was really hoping to catch the Rangers tomorrow night, but I'm going to be out of town, but uh, they're really, really playing well right now. Still in first place. The trade deadline yeah. has passed, and uh, we're going to have ourselves an interesting weekend. First place is on the line. Those other teams are getting close. Yeah, that's what concerns me. I don't want to miss that, but hey. You'll get, you'll get to the next one for sure. 
Uh, David Kuhn is with us as well. Oh, no, and David just dropped off. He said he was having some trouble with his internet connection, so we might have to get David back on by phone. I was literally about to introduce him, but David is the former board chair at KW Access Ability and now works in student advocacy and stakeholder relations in the post-secondary sector. Uh, Hopefully we can reconnect with him shortly. Let me begin with you, Linda. I'm glad you're so interested in these topics du jour. And we're going to start on Kitchener City Council, which has decided to appoint its next member. So rather than hold a by-election, Kitchener Council voted to appoint the runner-up from the last municipal election in Ward 10. Do you think the city council made the right decision here? I do, um, especially from um, a money perspective, because if they had another election, it costs money, doesn't it? And then it takes more time. And if I'm right, didn't she uh, come second in the in the votes by... She finished in second behind Clancy by only 115 votes. So why would we vote for somebody else? What's wrong with this young lady? So I think it's a good a good way to go. Um do a lot of people think they should have had a vote? Yes, but then they'd vote for somebody else who didn't manage to get in last time, and that wouldn't have been fair to Stephanie, would it? Interesting way to look at it. I mean, I think there's an opportunity to have any time you have an election, you put the best people forward, and, and voters get to make the decision here instead of council making the decision on behalf of voters. But, Steve, we'll yeah. throw it over to you for thoughts on this. I'm totally uh, happy that Paul Singh put this motion forward. I mean, I I look at the people who declined and and I just wonder, um, this election just happened within a year and uh, not sure the timing for for, uh, the move from the incumbent to go into provincial politics, but she took her opportunity and she was fortunately elected and is going to be a good representative for the Green Party. But I look at it to say, you know, people getting on this bandwagon about democracy and, you know, rallying the flags and and, and everybody's got to have a chance to vote. Well, there was a vote a year ago and it was a very close election and 115 votes to me behind the person who won is sufficient to try and save somebody. I mean, we're running up property tax hikes that are that are significant that we're going to see like 25 percent in, in waterloo i'm not sure if it's a region or the city in, in three years of, of you know and, and that's substantive for people so i think being frugal with your, your money uh frugal with your money is probably the way i would go so do we spend ninety seven thousand dollars on another election if that's what the number is i don't think so you know if there was quite a discrepancy or there was quite a lot you know a lopsided vote where the person who won last time did that with a significant majority i may question it but in this case i think it's fine just the way it is and i'm happy that uh we had a council who looked at it prudently and said let's not spend money we have somebody who's a very very capable candidate and hopefully you know come the end of january she's voted in and will represent her riding all right uh david coon has been reconnected by phone david are you hearing everything okay and able to follow along yeah, I'm glad I was able to join. And uh, I will, I'm going to jump on the pro-democracy bandwagon here. I think I don't think you can put a price on democracy. I think I'm happy that uh, council opted, or I'm happy they offered it to the, to the runner-up. I mean, you can argue that Stephanie Stretch has more of a mandate, as she did come in a uh, close second to, uh, to Ashley Clancy. But I think people in Ward 10 deserve the right to decide who they want to uh, who they want to represent them. 
And I mean, if we use cost as a factor and if we use voter turnout as a factor, the last municipal election in Kitchener was horrible turnout. And so by that same logic, um, the amount of people who voted are, and I'm just saying this sarcastically, but are any of the elected officials in Kitchener legitimate because so few people voted for them? Right? So I don't think you can put a price on democracy. There's a reason why councils and school boards have the ability to appoint. And that's because if, some, if a seat becomes vacant, Within a certain amount of time, usually between in between elections, if there's a short amount of time, then they have the option to appoint. And so it's not to say the option of appointing is illegitimate. But I think we need to be cognizant of the timing uh, in between elections. And I do think it's unfair for, uh, you know, democratically elected councillors to be appointing their colleagues. It, it looks bad. And also... Is is whoever is appointed? Are they beholden to the councillors who voted for them, or are they beholden to the ward and the the constituents which they are appointed to serve? So that that's my take on it. Uh, David, I think you make some good points, and and I certainly feel similarly, particularly when it comes to the argument around voter turnout. I understand that, yep, spending upwards of $100,000 on a by-election where participation will likely be even less than the 27% participation in the last municipal election sounds like a bitter pill to swallow. But for me, then I wonder, so what's the threshold? If we drop to 19% turnout in the next municipal election, does the council say, well, we're not going to even hold a municipal election anymore because not enough people are showing up? I, I really think we've had three now appointments on school boards and this one on a council. Uh, I, I think we might have to look at taking away the power to appoint from well, our elected bodies. Yeah, I don't say taking away the power, but I would say changing the, uh, changing the criteria. So again, if there's six months or a year between a general election and when a seat becomes vacant, fine. You know, or uh, six months, a year or less, that's fine. But I think anything more than that, I think a by-election should be automatic. There should be no question. Yeah. Linda, I see you yeah. nodding your head. Any other thoughts there? Yeah. Um, the original person who wanted to be on the council in that position... I feel that she let us down in a way because it's a commitment and I know it seems awful because she's gone to a higher position but um, I think there should be closer questions asked and and, and more commitment um, next time, you know, there is an election for someone in this position because I think they should stick it out for the, for the term and not just say, oh, that's a nicer thing over there. I'll jump onto that one. I'm sorry, I feel that let a lot of people down, including me. So do I take her seriously now and think she's committed to the role she's got now? I have no idea. I really don't. But that's what's caused all this problem. And this, the, the, the young lady who's been voted in, she came second. She had, she had a good, you know, a good load of people wanting her in. And I don't believe that she will be beholden to the council. I don't think she'll be a yes person. I don't think anybody should be a yes person. So I, I think um, David made some really good points, but I am very concerned about the money because basically it's a lot of money to have another election. It is. And I, I like your thinking, Linda, and I actually thought the same while I was out walking the dog last night. Maybe the issue here is just people leaving the position 
that they ran for. Like once you run, you're in it for four years. That said, yeah. there are extenuating circumstances that will always oh, yeah. pop up. It wasn't too long ago we had somebody unfortunately pass while in office. You're going to have mm-hmm. to fill that seat recently with Laura May Lindo provincially. Her family circumstances were such that she could no longer continue in her role. And I don't think we can say to people, mm-hmm. well, you have to stick it out, you know, no. no matter what. But I think it's an interesting mm-hmm. part of that. Steve, we'll give you last word to you on this and then move on. I think that what was just generated in this whole discussion was the overall question about the appointment process and the ability to appoint. And a good point was raised where, you know, three three positions in the last two years were appointed uh, for various reasons. And I think there should probably be some clarity on that, at least from the region's perspective, hopefully from the province's perspective of when councils can and can't. What are the criteria? I mean, I think that they shouldn't be able to interpret or lay down what that criteria should be, I think that potentially that should be a, a bigger question asked and maybe some some rules and regulations put in around that. Steve Bentley, David Kuhn, Linda Ockwell-Jenner with us on the Friday Four Roundtable this morning. We'll take a break, come back and talk about getting your driver's license renewed at Staples because nothing says <laughs> I'm allowed to be on the road like paper clips and a new license. Uh, this is the Mike Farwell <laughs> Show and our Friday Four Roundtable on City News 570 and Rogers TV. And we are around the virtual table with Steve Bentley, David Kuhn, Linda Ockwell-Jenner this morning. Let's talk about the provincial government's latest idea that the leader of the Ontario Greens, at minimum, says is just another step towards privatization. Driver's license renewals, health card renewals, service Ontario kiosks inside Staples Business Depots? All right, then, Steve Bentley, uh, what say you? I go back to your question about shopping for staples and people then being able to hear your private confidential information or potentially seeing it through kiosks. The government has been, in the last couple of months, there's been something, then something, then something, and I'm just shaking my head. And I start by saying, you know, I know we've had people complaining about the long lines and the wait times in Service Ontario, but I like the fact of having that personal service. I also know that in the past we tried kiosks for different things that uh, have failed. I don't know why this would be successful. I also looked at the viability where Staples has had some business issues in the last number of years. And so we go and locate these kiosks in, in the middle of a store, which to me is disrespectful. I think, you know, for personal information and people being able to oversee, there's no, there's no, I don't know how they're going to secure that personally, but what happens if Staples decides to close some locations and we've got kiosks there? Then we're going to have to find a different way of doing it and finding different locations. I think we should just keep, why do we have to change something for the point of change? I think that the Service Ontario locations work. Maybe where some of them are located are maybe questionable, but I can think of one down near uh, Coffee Corner on Manitou there. Um, there's so much people trying to get in and out. I know a store owner there who has issues with the ability for people to come into his store. And he's actually had to put a little area saying, do not occupy this area so people get in to his store. They're lined up right across the front of it. And the parking in and out of there is is there's been accidents and the volume on the road. But there are some good locations. So why don't we just concentrate on finding better locations are we going to you know deal with the overhead costs of operating staffing locations 
maybe. But what's wrong with personal service? And I don't think we can do everything through a machine at this point. Um, because the government, you know, it's got so many examples of good software. I can think of federally, like the Phoenix payroll system. Uh, and, and then the crossover in the benefit structures for the federal government going to a different carrier and people losing some benefits and losing coverage. And I just think, why don't we, why do we have to make things complicated? I can think in the province of Ontario of other things that I'd rather see the government spend its time on than something as, as, I don't get the, this whole thing, to be honest with you. I, I did wonder about, you know, the what if a Staples location ultimately ends up closing, because we've seen, obviously, retail leave Canada before. Uh, but I, I actually think this is, like, financially speaking, this makes sense. Get rid of this, the whatever leases you're already under, or what, and, and you can probably save money here, but I don't know. David, what do you make of this? So I think there are too many questions. And... The issue that I've had with this government from the beginning is whenever they announce things, their communication strategy is really bad. Like, I, w- I would think right when they put step out, they would, they would put information like common questions, but they don't. And I know for a fact that in many cases, local offices, MPP staff, they don't even get that until, like, way later. Uh, in some cases. So I think, honestly, there are too many unanswered questions like what if, you know, what if what if a certain location closes and you have to go, you know, to one that's not readily accessible or close enough to you, like what then? Uh, I think in terms of the privatization aspect, there are a lot of government services uh, through Service Ontario through uh, the MPO and others that are already run privately. So the, the private sector involvement doesn't concern me so much as that already happens. But but I think uh, a good point was brought up, like what happens if something happens with Staples, like the Staples business model, if, if a store closes and what happens to that kiosk. So again, there are just too many questions, and I just wish the government... Was uh, was a little more fulsome in the information they were putting out about this. Yeah, it, it's a good point because I don't know about you, but I had no idea such a thing was even being considered. And then all of a sudden, oh, I guess this is what we're doing here in Ontario. Uh, Linda, what's your take? <clears throat> well, this was announced in December, wasn't it? But it wasn't made clear that that be closed in the existing service Ontario. You know locations, I think we all presume that they would be staying open and to help the backlog, we would be having some staples um, kiosks. So what happens about the job losses? People are going to lose their jobs. So what is Ford going to do about that? Um, I'm with the guys, Steve and, and David, in the sense that it's difficult enough to get somebody to look after you when you walk into any store, but in this case, Staples. So we go into Staples, which I've been a few times. It's it's a nice store. And then somebody says, can I help you? Do you want to buy this? Do you want to buy that? No, I don't want to buy this and that. I want to, you know, I want to do something sensible. Um, I think there's an ulterior motive. And somebody earlier mentioned privatise. Oh, was it was it in the in the um, media privatisation? Is this the first step towards it? I don't know. I'm not happy about it, and I'm beginning to not trust anything Doug Ford says because I think David said the communication is lacking. So in December they said it was going to happen. They'd be streamlining 
but they didn't make it clear how they were moving forward. So job losses, lack of communication, lack of trust. Um, oh, what about the uh, the rural areas? I mean, how many staples have they got in the rural areas? What's going to happen to those poor people? So I think we should all get up as people and say, "Don't do it." We disagree. And can I still can I still, can I still ask, ask the dog forward a question, please? When are you going to fix our roads? And where's the money gone from not paying the licensing fee on our license plates? Because that could pay for the roads. I had to get that in mind. I love that you keep bringing it up, and you want better road infrastructure here in the province. And I I do think it's interesting that there might be. Uh, if you want to talk about any hidden inge- hidden agenda, uh, helping Staples increase sales because there might be an impulse buy or two while you're in there doing your service on Hill work. Uh, Linda Ockwell, exactly. Linda Ockwell, Jenner, Steve Bentley, and David Kuhn are with us around the Friday Four Roundtable this morning. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to get you an update from the City News Center, and then we're going to solve it because this is the panel to give us the answer to the big problem plaguing our roads right now in the region. How are we going to cut down on the number of people being hit by the number of other people driving vehicles? Pedestrian vehicle collisions, 38 of them since November. We'll talk about it with our panel coming up. It's the Friday 4 on the Mike Farwell Show, City News 570 and Rogers TV. Our Friday Four guests for this first panel of the 22-4, David Kuhn joins us, the former board chair at KW Access Ability, now working in student advocacy and stakeholder relations in the post-secondary sector. Linda Ockwell-Jenner is here. She's the president of MotivationalSteps.com. And Steve Bentley, managing principal with Northern River Financial. Okay, a story that is creating all kinds of buzz in the community this week, even attracting the attention of a lawyer based in Toronto who has issued an open letter to municipal leaders here in our community, mayors, our regional chair, our police chief. 38 collisions reported since November. So basically a couple of months. And on 38 occasions in those couple of months, a pedestrian has been struck by someone driving a vehicle. It is not a good number at all. It's causing a great deal of concern. And the question becomes, what in H-E double hockey sticks are we going to do about it? David, I will start with you. Any ideas on how to reduce this number? People need to pay attention. It's that simple. Drivers need to pay attention. Pedestrians need to pay attention. You know, I'm, I'll tie this back into, but I'm going to mention LRT and ION for a sec. You know, <laughs> We hear all the time about accidents, whether it's a vehicle or, you know, God forbid, somebody getting hit by uh, by a train. But it's not the trains that are going out of their way to hit people, whether it's vehicles or pedestrians. It's people not paying attention, either drivers or people that are walking or biking or whatever. And I think it just comes down to, you know, people need better situational and environmental awareness about what's going on around them. And, you know, we can talk about we can talk about education, but I mean, you know, drivers they should know the rules of the road and they should follow them. And then pedestrians, I mean, people should know 
where to cross, when to cross, when not to, you know, do that stuff. So I don't know that I have a silver bullet answer, but to me it seems common sense. Just pay more attention to what's going on around you. And barring any medical issues that causes somebody to, uh, you know, lose control of their vehicle or something else, or, or acts of God, as they say, uh, I don't know... I don't know what else to say beyond pay attention to what you're doing. David, it is frightening how aligned you and I are today on these topics because I could not possibly agree more. We are in way too much of a hurry and we're trying to do way too many things. Be in the moment. If you're going to drive, drive. If you're going to walk, walk. If you're going to be on a bicycle, be on a bicycle. But do that thing and, and be in that moment, in that place. Uh, Linda, what do you think of this? Well, this is really personal to me because a couple of years ago, our middle son, Gary, was crossing the road in Kitchener. It was dark. He was wearing a light-coloured coat. The little man who says, or woman, (laughs) who says you can cross the road. It was a crosswalk. He had permission to cross. Wham, round the corner, an SUV. He was catapulted down the road. Oh, my goodness. Uh, taken to hospital, injured. He's recovered now, thank goodness. Um, I'm not going to tell you what the driver said because it's so stupid anyhow, but that's not the point. Um, she obviously wasn't taking attention, but Gary was. But there's another thing. I'm sure there's a law or something that says now if someone is on the crossing that a car must not attempt to go go onto that crossing and carry on until that person has got to the other side of the road. And have you seen how many cars get impatient and bib the person to rush? Or they're only halfway across and the car comes around the corner. And why does this keep happening? Why is nobody complaining? And why are the police not doing something about it? By law, police, I don't care who's doing it. Um, the other thing is... Um, I don't think the mayors or the local council can do anything. I think the police have got to get more involved. But, you know, the roundabouts, which everybody loves, there should never be a crosswalk on a roundabout. It's called round and roundabout, and you keep going, and you're very careful, and you look to see if... So, no, get rid of the roundabout. Get rid of the crossings on the roundabout. Make sure somebody's keeping an eye on, on the drivers who are going over the crossing when people's walking across it. And, yeah, we should all take notice i'm not perfect you know there you go but i think um some drivers i don't know the new drivers or what drivers are not paying attention to any bylaws let's talk about stop signs they think they can just go and carry on no they're supposed to stop so i think drivers need to be re-educated and i'm not saying i'm perfect but i think there's too many accidents luckily my son didn't die but i've heard of many pedestrians dying through this so for strong people I saw a driver blow right through a four-way stop last night, did not even break stride, did not pass go, did not collect 200, went right through the stop sign. It was, yeah, and the, and the, the vehicle that had the right of way laid on the horn anyway. It, nothing more came of it, but I witnessed it with my own eyes. Uh, Steve Bentley, what do you think? Pedestrian Love vehicle Steve. collisions. <laughs> You know, we ask this question around a lot of things uh, surrounding vehicle traffic. We talk about school zones. We talk about a number of different things, the proper use of roundabouts. You know, I I looked at uh, an article and just basically said that the Waterloo Regional Police haven't necessarily seen a change in numbers between 
this year and last year. That doesn't change the fact of the seriousness of the issue. Um, one of the things that I think is people are just so busy. They're not paying attention. Blowing through a roundabout, probably because they didn't even recognize it was a roundabout and just went. I think the other thing, too, is there's so much congestion we're trying to pull into certain areas. That there's so many conflicting pieces of information that people are having to collect in terms of driving and where they are and what the potential uh, impact could be with people coming across the street. And I look at downtown Kitchener as an example with bike lanes, you know, and and I believe now bicycles in the downtown core are just like any other vehicle and they have to be in the same lane of traffic as cars. And I think that there's such a, a close proximity in terms of them trying to take streets and and, and a kind, trying to accommodate a number of different uses. It just restricts the amount of space, you know, not only for cyclists, but also for, for people driving cars. But mm-hmm. this question comes up every time. There's a statistic that they love to throw out there. And I really don't know how you solve this other than public education. And it's only to the degree that people want to pay attention. I mean, the fir- most people are going to say the first, oh, my driving is great. And you know what? A lot of these incidents aren't necessarily a result of their driving. It's just an accident. It's something that happens. They didn't anticipate it happening. People stepping out into the street, people being blinded by somebody coming around a school bus. And I just think we need to just slow down. I think that's a bigger part of it. We're always in a hurry. We always got to get there quickly. We've always got to beat the light. We can't continue to do that as our population grows and our densities become bigger because it's just going to result in higher numbers. And that's why this is a point of article, you know, being raised today is to say, you know, and, and they even pointed out some of the accidents that happened, right? I mean, really, there should be no reason on, on streets that, you know, are large. Like, there's lots of visibility in some streets, and just some people are just not paying attention. A good example, I was remember when we used to have an intersection at Huron, Homer Watson in Ottawa, and I was turning right, and there was a, a lady on a bicycle riding across the cross or the crosswalk, not de- dismounted riding and looking at her phone so what i did is i laid on my horn and it really startled her and i'm not the one to yell or roll down a window i think she got the point but there's just such a fixation with 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 these devices we've got in our hands too and i'll say that to people in cars you know it's supposed to be something where we aren't supposed to be using or touching our smartphones in in a car a lot of people do and they try to get away with it. So there's just a lot of distraction that we got to try and get out of the way of what we're there to do, and that's to drive safely. When it comes to visibility, something that came up when we had this conversation on the show earlier this week is the new retrofitted streetlights we have around the region, the LED, <sighs> which save money, but some are saying they don't provide nearly the same illumination. David, have you noticed anything, or does that resonate with you at all? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a fair point, but, I mean, I don't know. I'd like to know the information of why people... The majority of people are saying these accidents are happening. I mean, if it is, if it is a lack of a illum- lack of illumination, then then yeah, if we can point to that, then yeah, they add well, better lighting. But the, but the I, lights have been turned down, according to my source. So people were complaining who live they're in our street, they're in probably your state streets as well. Homeowners were complaining the lights were too bright. So they've been turned down, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. And I got that from a good source, and we all know 
know the source. I don't know whether you know the source who came up with this idea. I'm sure you all do. So basically, the lights have been turned. Why they turned down? Close your blinds, people, if you live in a home, you know, if you don't like the bright lights. But we're missing the point here. Where's the accountability? There's no accountability. Um, Where I live, there's a three-way stop. I don't know why there's a three-way stop, but there's a three-way stop. I make a point of stopping and somebody comes right up to my, you know, back of my car, beaming the horn, carry on lady. So then I will not carry on lady and I look. And I look at the house over there and I look in front of me to make my point. One guy tried to overtake me. So why have three-way stops? Why have four-way stops? Why have crossings? Let's just be like, I don't know, a nation where we can do what we like and we can just cross the road and run across the road and drive. I'm so fed up. There's no accountability, so I don't know whose responsibility it is. Please tell me, guys. I'm so fed up. Well, it comes and you'll to... often see me moaning it... on LinkedIn about it too. <laughs> It comes back to Steve's point about being in a hurry. Being overtaken at a three-way stop is a pretty special place to be overtaken by somebody. They are in some kind of hurry. They are some kind of important person. Probably had a baby to deliver. I want to arrest them. I want to make one of those. Yeah. I want to take his number and be, be like a snitch because... Will that stop them, though? Probably not. So, Steve, come on. You must have the answer. <laughs> David. I, and that's why we're talking about it because there is no clear answer other than driver's education and drivers following the roads. Bicyclists, car operators, motorcyclists, pedestrians all have a responsibility and have to try to get them on board. The common theme is slow down. Everybody does have a responsibility to look out for themselves and others around them and and we're not doing that enough. There's no question. We can can put in in as many uh, factors to mitigate you know what we see as the the issues but it's still going to come down to people paying attention or not slow down and i'm just going to say again be where you are if you're walking walk if you're driving drive if you're riding a bicycle ride the bicycle like there's so many things competing for our attention we can let the competition happen when we're idle look at your phone watch the tv listen to the whatever but when you're doing something out there amongst others, be where you are. Make sure you're aware of those surroundings. Anyway, uh, really good conversation as part of our Friday 4 roundtable this morning. We've got to end it here and take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to give you the answer. We're gonna, this panel knows where the next hospital is going to go, right? <laughs> we'll talk about that <laughs> next. It's the Friday 4 roundtable on the Mike Farwell Show. Linda Ockwell, Jenner, Steve Bentley, <laughs> and David Kuhn with us on City News 570 and Rogers TV. Friday for Roundtable for this 12th day of January and first Friday for of the 22-4. Linda Ockwell Jenner, Steve Bentley, and David Kuhn with us. We've talked about Kitchener Council appointing a new member instead of holding a by-election, getting our licenses renewed at Staples, how we can cut down on pedestrian vehicle collisions in the region, and now it's time to talk about that new regional super hospital because it keeps finding its way 
back into the news. Just by way of setup for this particular conversation, the, the committee that is going to recommend a final site has let us know that three sites have been shortlisted. And I kind of wish the committee had not done that because the committee cannot tell us what the sites are for, I think, pretty obvious reasons, right? They don't want anybody speculating and driving up the price for real estate. I get, though, why the committee did share that they've created this shortlist because they want us to know that, hey, the work continues, we're doing our thing, we're remaining accountable by sharing this with you. But it, it just sends all kinds of speculation and you know buzz out into the community such that over the past couple of weeks we've had two groups come forward with their own idea saying the hospital should go here the hospital should go there and i just want to remind you in this that these are community groups that have ideas they might i'm not sure have some sort of agenda but i don't believe they are involved in the actual bidding process because anybody who is involved in that process, who's submitted a possible site, is bound by a confidentiality agreement. So if they're breaking that, I think it's to their own peril. With that said, uh, about a week ago, the the push from one community group was, let's build it at the odd and then relocate an arena into the downtown. Today's story in the Waterloo Region record talks about another site that's been bandied about in the region since we first started talking about a new hospital. Let's build it out uh, on grounds at the University of Waterloo and just think of the possibilities. Linda, I'm going to start with you. Is it the odd? Is it the University of Waterloo? Is it somewhere else entirely? Where do we build this new super hospital? I don't know. It's all secret, isn't it? <laughs> I don't want to tell us. <laughs> okay, it should not be on the university. I don't see why it should be tied to the university. That that creates lots and lots of challenges in my head. Um. Are they going to land? I suppose they're going to land. I don't know. What people throwing out ideas? Well, the Ord. Now, I'm not into sports, as you know, but I love the Ord. So where is the Ord going to fit downtown? What are we going to get rid of first? We're going to knock down all those those high rises. <laughs> what are we going to do, people? Um, stupid ideas, sorry, but they are. Um, I'm not as into this as you guys probably are. So all I'm going to say is it's going to take quite a number of years to build this hospital. We've got to be very careful who's involved in it because, as you say, you know, they've got to put tenders in and everything and we've got to make sure they're doing it for the right reasons and it's going to be in the right place. And we must not forget that even though we need a new hospital, we still haven't tackled where people are going to live. So there's lots and lots of issues. I'm going to hand it to you guys purely because it makes me laugh that I don't even know what sites have been suggested. Did I miss it? I mean, no. I, I know about the Waterloo, I know about the Ubra. I've been looking, and I'm, where, where, where are the suggestions? So are they not sending me my emails that I asked for? I don't know. <laughs> no, they're definitely not releasing them, but that that's why we get to have these speculative conversations. And you mentioned, Linda, it's going to take years to build. Yes. One of the other things I want to emphasize is when it is built, we have to look at this for the next hundred years in our community. Mm-hmm. This isn't just a you know a fly by night operation. This is something that will serve this community for generations to come. Steve, any ideas as to where we can put this baby? Yeah, lots of ideas. <laughs> you know, here's the thing: I wish people would just respect a committee that's doing their job, and there's a lot of factors that they first of all, determine that have to be taken into consideration before they even look at potential locations. 
I'm not sure why they had to say, hey, we've shortlisted. Why don't they just have an announcement date and then announce those three locations? And then a lot of there's always going to be speculation. Right. And I think you touched on it with real estate and speculative aspects of real estate. And I think one of the important things is the encompassing area that this hospital is going to serve to me has a big implication of where you locate it. The second is access to a highway or or large um, thoroughfares because of can you take the university concept the the congestion into there and the ability to get there is, is much more restricted than some other areas mm-hmm. and where's the money going to come from to build a new arena for the rangers uh, auditorium for for community events and why would you put it downtown i mean toronto is a perfect example where they try to squeeze a, a ball field and, and, a, and a hockey rink into a very, very small location that's very congested. It's difficult to get to in public transit. There's not a lot of parking options. So why would we replicate that? To me, making if you're going to build it on a sports complex, it should be in an area that has easy access for public transit, but also sufficient parking. I don't see a need to move from the odd at this point, but I really don't know where those dollars, so the people that suggested it, okay, but where do we get the funding? We're not only now building a hospital, we're also now building a new recreational facility. So where does that money come from? Um, I, I I can think of some areas, but it's not for the point of this. The point of this is let's see what they have to say. Then we can evaluate it. I'm sure there can be a lot of public con- consultation and discussion. And we're just at the tip. You know, we're really at the bottom of a, of a very large mountain. The process to go from identification of a site to creating the, the hospital to building the hospital to actually using the hospital. I can think of a couple of good locations like in St. Catharines. I was recently dealing with a family issue at the new hospital in St. Catharines. A very good location, a lot of space, great parking, great facility. You can also say the same about the one in, in Barrie. You know, you see it right at the top of the hill if you're going north, right? There's a lot of room there. That is adjacent to the college, but it's easy access off the 400 to get in and out of there. And so that I think is is, is critical, particularly if we're looking at a, you know a, a community that that's very encompassing, and and we have to do something. And I'm glad we're finally making road on this because what we have in St. Mary's and 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 KW are are very land restricted, and and we're really not much we can do to enhance it there. All right, you're a better man than me with that kind of patience because I got all kinds of ideas. I'm super invested in this process, uh, David. What do you think? <laughs> I don't know that I can point to a spot on the map and say where it should be, you know, in a in a specific location. But I think obviously the biggest factor we need to look at, as has been said by by multiple people already, is we need to look at population growth. We need to look at where people are going to be within the next number of decades. And I do think uh, Kitchener is projected to, uh, you know, to be that location. So I would say somewhere within the city of Kitchener, obviously people that want to see it at the University of Waterloo or people that want to see another hospital in Cambridge or, or Wellesley or somewhere else might take issue with it. Maybe not Wellesley, sorry folks, but uh, you know so I do think it has to be it has to be accessible. It has to be uh, somewhere where people are. Um, but I don't there's too many unknowns and I honestly I'm curious what's going to happen at, uh, I think, what, the consultation is set for the, the 16th? Is that what it is? That's is correct. That Tuesday night, there's going to be a public meeting, yep. Yeah. So, I mean, I wonder what's going to come out of that. I think there's going to be a lot of questions, and obviously everybody has an opinion. 
on where where it should go, where it shouldn't go. Um, you know, but but we have to wait and see what happens. And and there's going to be more than just one public consultation. And so I look forward to seeing what happens in the future. And with regard to the question of you know arenas and all that stuff, who would who would take care of a new arena? You know, I would say the private sector would. Uh, not that we're going there yet, but if if we did uh, say change the uh, change the odds current location, they would. I would say they would look to the private sector for that. But again, not everybody, as we've also talked about today, not everybody's happy with uh, private sector involvement in that sort of stuff. That's a great point. Uh, great conversation around the virtual roundtable today. we got to run and get an update from the City News Centre and say goodbye to our friends at Rogers TV. David Kuhn, former board chair at KW Accessibility, now working in student advocacy and stakeholder relations in the post-secondary sector. Steve Bentley, managing principal Northern River Financial. And Linda Ockwell-Jenner, the president of MotivationalSteps.com. Thank you all. Have a great weekend. Thanks for being here. Thanks. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570 and Rogers TV. Finally, finally, the trade deadline has passed. The madness is over, and we can get back to the business of playing hockey. And that's what the Kitchener Rangers will do beginning tonight versus the Erie Otters with a couple of new faces in their lineup. Not both faces in the lineup tonight, but as you know, the Kitchener Rangers did swing a deal with the Barry Colts to acquire Edward Chalet and defenseman Olivier Savard. As we do every Friday at this time, we check in with Kitchener Rangers head coach UC Ahokas for the Coaches Show. Good afternoon, UC. Good afternoon. Are you happy that it's over? Is it a bit of a distraction when the trade deadline's coming up? I think, but not for us, but more for the players, a little bit thinking, will I be traded or who's coming? And now we have the final team, so... Uh, get back on track and it's a good also we got the guys from the world juniors are back so we actually had the first time actually yesterday we had the full lineup in practice so we got had four lines so i was happy we get to do a good get the good practice in so uh and i think now now also like with our schedule we'll have more time to practice so uh it's i think it's good for us your job's easy now, right? Everybody's there. It's a piece of cake. Just stand back and tap bodies, tap shoulders to go out on the ice. No, I guess, uh, <laughs> no, no. That's uh, the GM's jobs are now easy. They have to just, <laughs> we have to do our work. That's the thing. Like, now the GM's did their job. And, uh, and no, no. It's uh, like I've always said, like, we have to get better day by day. And uh, it was a tough stretch without the guys. We had a lot of changes in our lineup. And now it's good to kind of get it stabilized so that's a good thing 
I did wonder about that work, you see, from the coaching staff's perspective, because you just said it. I mean, guys back from the World Juniors who have been gone for a long time, new faces to work into the lineup. What does that mean for you as a coaching staff? How do you go about making sure you get everybody on the same page? Uh, well, uh, when we get everybody, of course, we have to, again, what's our culture? How do we work? But And get the new guys set into our system and just our habits, how we work, but uh, uh, it's normal and I guess it's also a little bit refreshing also, so uh, it might, I think it'll be good for good for the team and we get going going again. What do you think about players like Chalet and Savard being added to your lineup? Well, I think, well, of course, Chalet won't be this weekend still playing with us, but uh, it's good uh First round NHL pick, you have to you have to have skill, and I've seen him play in World Juniors and all that. So I think he has a lot of talent, and we can get more out of him. What he had, get get him play with offensive players, and I think he can bring us a lot of offense. And uh, with uh, Savard, we got uh, like our, just strengthened our decor. So. Uh, that's also, I thought, what we needed after we traded Smitty, Smitty away. So uh, it's uh, it go, goes well, and just uh, we have a little deeper lineup. Because of that depth, did you get the sense at all that guys were maybe getting a little bit tired as you came through the end of the World Juniors and the trade deadline, et cetera? Well, of course, like, and it, it depended, like, if you're missing Ray, Raykov and Missar, like, they're two top players in the whole league, and if you're missing them, it's, in any team, it'll, for sure, it, it shows, like, it shows, it's just, there's no team one in the who has that, that depth in the lineup that it wouldn't show, but uh, it's good to, but then again, it gave our uh, rookies got a lot of ice time, uh other guys got chance to play higher in the lineup, and I think that, that those kind of things were good. Like for them, it was good and good for the future. The way things will work out now, you see, with the full lineup, do players get to play in spots and positions that you think will help their development, kind of where they should be playing at this stage of their career? I think so. I th- think so. Uh, still, we have we're missing Martin. Martin, he, he won't be. It'll take take a while before he's back. But uh, when we get him back, it'll deepen up again, and I think it goes well. Like you, uh, and then all the guys have also, if they wanted to play higher, they've been able to show could they play in that that like play in the first two lines or play bigger minutes and they've had a chance to show it. So uh, now it's good for us that the guys are back and if somebody did, like uh, did well, they, they've they earned a spot. And if not, they're playing maybe the same minutes what they played uh, before. I'm thinking back on the game Sunday versus North Bay, and you were coming off a tough loss on Saturday night. You were down 2 nothing after the first period, and I think the team had every reason maybe to, to fold up and just start thinking about the trip home, but they didn't do that. They, they came back for a win, 3-2. How important was that win, and maybe even for the character of the team? 
Well, I think we show pushback there, and that's what you have to show. Even though you're standing in the lineup, you have to push back, and you have to show. And uh, I thought, uh, I thought like Botno, Mercer, they played really well uh, that line, uh, and they they really showed some character, and also like the whole team, LNS, uh, Swick, the and they, they the guys showed, and uh, Bruce Davids played defensively, really really a great game and but that's what you need like if we want to be a top team we have to have that pushback and whoever's in a lineup like we play every game it's not uh, like we don't quit is it getting tiring being that top team i mean everybody's chasing you there's every every team wants to knock off the top team you have to be on your best game every night no that's that's true but it's i think we don't get easy games it's every every single team knows and but it it also helps the helps the helps our team in the long run because we don't get easy games everybody's everybody knows you have to be at your best if you want to beat us so i think for the players it's good good and it's also good for us like there's no we have to be in our best too if we want to win. Like we're not that talented team. Like our thing is, we we have a good structure. We play together. We play for each other, and uh, and then we're, when we're playing hard and playing our game, then then we can play well. The Erie Otters are always a hardworking club. They've got excellent goaltending. What do you need to do to be successful against Erie tonight? I think they're really good. Uh, like. Uh, they're a rush team. Like they even cheat a little bit for offense. So you have to. Your puck management has to be really good. You have to. Your third player, third forward, has to play play, base play smart. Like and we have to be ready. Like last time in Erie, we gave up way too many automatic rushes, and we have to be smarter on that. So, but if we if we manage the puck well and play well, I think we have a. Then we can have a good game, and it's uh, like an offensive zone. We have to be smart, no high to high plays, and small things like that. But uh, if we play play uh, play play how we should, uh, I think we have a good chance. Any word on Rakoff or Pugliese for tonight? They're good. They're good. I'm they're glad good. they're they, they're yeah. always good. You see, they're going to be great yeah, tonight, yeah. eh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you very much for joining us, and I'll see you at the rink. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Bye. UCL Hocus, the head coach of the Kitchener Rangers, and there is some great news, Rangers fans. I know Edward Chalet not quite ready to go. Just a little minor nick from the World Juniors, but Carson Rakoff is back. Antonino Pugliese is back. New defenseman Olivier Savard on the blue line for the Kitchener Rangers. Here we go. I love this time of year. And boy, oh boy, when's the last time we were at this time of year and the Kitchener Rangers were the team still being chased? It's lots of fun, and I hope you'll be with us for the rest of the ride. Game number 41 tonight at the Kitchener Memorial Auditorium. If you can't make the game, we've got you covered right here on City News 570. Paul Fixter and I will be on the air with the pregame show starting at 635 We've got the game between the Rangers and the Otters with the face-off just after 7. And then Rangers talk until at least 11 o'clock. And I've been texting with Fixie all week. He can't wait 
to give you his thoughts on the trades that the Rangers made and the trades that the other teams made and what this league now looks like post-trade deadline. So from basically 6.30 until 11, this is your place for all things Kitchener Rangers. City News 570, your home for Rangers hockey. City News 570 is also your home for the 12 o'clock talkback. Each and every day between noon and 1, we start it a little bit later on Fridays because we want to have that chance to talk with the head coach of the Kitchener Rangers. But we're opening the phone lines right now. In fact, we've got a couple of callers already on the line. They're ready to go. Are you ready to join us? Let's have a chat as we wrap things up for another week here on the program. The 12 o'clock talkback begins on the Mike Farwell Show, City News 570. Ooh, I like it. Yeah, so you... I heard you asking how I'm feeling. I guess I'll play it day by day. I'm still around now, my heart is healing. But something's never gonna change. Little 38 special, some more CanCon. For Mike, on our all-request Friday, here on the Mike Farwell Show... Back where I belong. As we open up the phone lines for your 12 o'clock talk back. 519-570-2545. Star 570. And 1-800-570-5715. A lot of feedback so far. You're enjoying the All Request Friday. Glad you are. I don't know if Devin Robertson is. He's the man on turntables one and two, the guy on the other side of the glass, but he's making it work for us today. (laughs) We're having lots of fun. You can let Devin know your request when you call in during this segment or at any other time. Shoot me an email, mike at 570news.com. If we can't get it today, well, there's a Friday every week, isn't there? So don't worry. We'll keep it up as we go to the phones. And we say good afternoon to Kyle on the 12 o'clock talkback. Afternoon, my friend. Uh, first of all, big game tonight. Battle of 86. First place, Listwell versus second place, Almira. Should be a good game tonight. Love it. Listy or Cyclones versus the Sugar Kings. Uh, that's right, in Listwell. Um, now, can I go back to the... So we were talking about the auditorium, the, the Kitchener Auditorium, and about the relocation of it, I guess, in the future, correct? Well, the idea... One of the ideas being floated is to put the new hospital there. But regardless, yes, I think at some point... The Memorial Auditorium, as we know it, is going to have to be somewhere else. When? Because you guys just put in that massive renovation how long ago? Oh, it's over a decade old now. Right, so why didn't you guys just build an arena 10 years ago when you guys were doing your renovation instead? (laughs) You want the whole sordid story on that? I I didn't live in the region at the time. Was it a mess? Just yes or no? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I would say it was a little bit messy. So, yeah. No, that's all I want. I did, like I said, 10 years ago, I didn't live in the region, so I wouldn't know. Um, but I just, like as I said, like I go into the, the arena, it's nicely renovated. I know it's over a decade, like you said, but I'm thinking to myself, well, it's only 10 years ago you guys did that. I don't, I'm surprised you guys just didn't build a whole new brand new arena and, and save the cost there instead of renovating, you know? Uh-huh. We could have, now that we could have, Kyle. Mess, <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm sorry if I'm going to open up another can of worms for this weekend here, so... I'm going to go. Have fun. Have a great time at the rink tonight, my friend. I will. You too. Thanks, Kyle. Love being at the rink on a Friday night. And just the Coles Notes version of that story, if you don't know, 
there was a proposal brought forward for give or take about $70 million, give or take a decade ago, to build a new arena, as opposed to doing the expansion, which was ultimately done. The bottom line was the Memorial Auditorium, as we knew it about a decade or so ago, uh, was bursting at the seams. And and we all knew we could put more bums in seats, and, and we have, but... The $70 million-ish proposal for a new arena got people pretty excited. And then a lot of different people started putting their fingers in the pie and saying, well, if we're, you know, building the arena, we should add this and we should add that. And we should, you know, this this entity should be a, a stakeholder in it. And the next thing you know, the price tag got up to about $130 million. And then everybody got nervous. Well, well we can't do that. How, heaven forbid we do that. Which is fine then. But just <laughs> think about it now. If... A decade or so ago, we were talking about a $130 million project that satisfied so many different entities. Just imagine what it's going to cost when we do ultimately build a new sports and entertainment venue in this region, which I think we will. Or maybe we won't. The hell do I know? I'm just here answering your calls during the 12 o'clock talk back. Bob, good afternoon. Hi, Mike. <coughs> Sorry. That's okay, Bob. Hi. A little bit disappointed in your station yesterday. Uh-oh. Not you, your station. Well, I, I but hey, I am my station, and my station is me. Okay, well, City News 24, the one that goes 24 hours a day on 100. Oh, okay, so, wow. I don't know if I should take responsibility for that, too, but what the hell? I'll take responsibility for it, Bob. Uh, Why, what did we do wrong? I'm not wrong, just could have moved it around a bit. On that station, they were talking about health care in Ontario... And, use, uh, which I know ranges are important, but you were talking about the kitchen arrangers. And I think health care is just a little bit more important than the kitchen arrangers. And they said that Doug Ford has... Built- okay, hang on. I'm, I'm really confused here. So, you were watching on TV. Yeah. Channel 100, City News 24-7. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about the kitchen arrangers on there? No, no, no. You were talking about the kitchen arrangers. Okay. We're talking about the Kitchener Rangers on the radio. Yeah. But you're upset about what was on the TV. They were talking about health care on the TV. They're talking about health care on the TV, and we're talking about Kitchener Rangers on the radio. I said you could have organized it a little bit, because I think health care is just a little more important than the Kitchener Rangers, in my opinion. Okay, so this is I, I love this, because I had a former boss who said, everybody's a program director. That's the name of the boss at the radio station. So let's pretend, Bob, that you are the program director. So what would you rather I do on this show? Well, just yesterday. Like, do you do, it's not against you. It's just, well, no, it is against me because you said we're talking about the kitchen arrangers here and health care on the TV. So you didn't like what you heard here. So you're saying yesterday on this show, I should have talked about health care. And then you still could have talked about, just rearranged it and still talked about the kitchen rangers. Because, you know, they were rangers. rangers are important in this area, but I think health care is just a little bit more important. I don't disagree that health care is important. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to figure out, like, why yesterday was the day, because goodness knows we talk an awful lot about health care on this well, show. No, but it's just that, like I said, they did it for about at least half an hour just talking about it. Talking about the kitchen rangers? No, talking about health care. The TV station did. Yeah. Yeah, but I didn't. No. But why, like, I, I, what I need to get sorted here, Bob, is why was yesterday the day that I needed to be talking about health care? Well, it's just like, okay, they said that 
one of the things that's around that could help with the health care. Yeah. Doug Ford has got, I forget how many billions, but billions of dollars for health care. $5.4 billion. And he hasn't used yet. I know. Well, that's what I've heard. That's what I've heard from the opposition, yes. And I was just wondering, what are you saving for? If he calls an early election, you also he'll come, come up with all this money that he can stick into health care that he didn't have before? You think, you think Doug Ford is calling an early election? No, I'm just saying oh, okay. that's what he's waiting for. Or I see. Later on, come up with all of this money before the election. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it's going to solve the problem, but it would help. All right. Uh, Bob, thanks for the call. Do you know how I know that the opposition is talking about the $5.4 billion that the Ontario government is currently squirreling away and that they could be using for health care, like interpreters to help people who struggle with English understand the medical terminology better? Because I heard it on this radio station. That's how I know, Bob. I heard the news story. You're right. I chose yesterday to spend some considerable time talking about the Kitchener Rangers because we are the home of the Kitchener Rangers and the trade deadline has just passed. I think there's a nice connection there. And by the way, just a little heads up for you, shameless promotion, Monday morning, starting the show with the story of a man who experienced the healthcare wait times firsthand and is so distressed He needs to come on to the radio to talk about it. So I hope, Bob, I hear from you on Monday after that, and you can tell me again about the money that Doug Ford is apparently squirreling away because the opposition says so, and they said so right here on this radio station, even though you don't think we talk about health care enough. Everybody's a program director, baby. Everybody's a program director. And I'm here to take your guidance. It's the 12 o'clock Talkback on the Mike Farwell Show, City News 570. It occurs to me that you enjoy your Canadian content. Oh, that's not Kim Mitchell. Way before Patio Lanterns, Kim Mitchell was with a band called Max Webster. And on this particular track from the album Universal Juveniles, you can hear a little bit of it in there. Some accompaniment by none other than the one. The only Getty Lee, greatest rock and roll band of all time, Rush. That is Battle Scar as requested by TC. I like it. Reminds me of Magnum P.I. back in the day. Stood for Theodore Calvin. I don't know what this TC stands for, but it was TC's request on this All Request Friday here on the Mike Farwell Show. Play some Battle Scar, he says. I can't wait for somebody to call up and say, play Freebird, because we'll do that too. It's All Request Friday. On the show. It's also the 12 o'clock talkback hour. 
where you call us and we get to have a conversation that you lead the way on. 519-570-2545. Star 570 and 1-800-570-5715. Joe, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Mike. How are you? I'm doing all right, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I was... You guys were talking about the uh, pedestrians almost getting hit on the Friday Four Roundtable, and I kid you not, I heard you say that I was driving on King Street, Hickory, right? I'm at the red light. Yep. I hear you say that. I look up. There you go. Some get, kid almost gets hit. University student, guy turned left, not paying attention. He must be on his foot. Guy was walking. He had to back out of the way to avoid getting hit. Oh, my gosh. Like, what the hell? I go up to university. Almost the same thing. This time, my car is going right and left at the same time. I almost sandwiched this kid. All students. None of these students were doing anything. They were just walking. Then I went up to, they have that field. Then there's a little road that goes into the, the buildings just up King. And the same thing. A kid almost got hit there. It's, it's crazy. And it's the drivers. I don't know what they're doing. But put their phones away. Get their head up. Do something to at least protect these students. Joe, thank you for that. Thank you for the call. You are so Right. You know, it's interesting. I was in the university area last night because our daughter is performing this weekend in the KW Glee shows. So they had a dress rehearsal at the Humanities Theater last night. I was out there to pick her up and it was way late. Not a lot of people, but it occurred to me that I'm not out there a whole heck of a lot these days. And holy Hannah, has that area changed. I'm sitting there at a light at University in Albert and I'm looking around saying, is this the same University in Albert that it was 20 years ago? No, it's not, genius. No, it's not. Not only is there a ton of people and pedestrian activity, but there is so much going on on those roads and the buildings are tall and the sight lines are different. Joe just nailed it. Whatever it is you're doing behind the wheel of the vehicle Make sure you are doing it safely. Keep your head up. You Listen, if you don't get to turn on that light until the last moment because of the pedestrians crossing, then you wait. You wait. Patience, not being in a rush, is going to help us an awful lot. And as we said during the Friday Four Roundtable today, be where you are. If you are driving, then just drive. Oh, I hope you're listening to this show as you drive. But that should about do it, okay? Make sure that you are fully aware of yourself in that automobile and the implications of what you're doing. Come on with your coming on. Thanks for the call, Joe. And we can't even blame that because he said he saw this as he was listening to the Friday Four Roundtable, which was between 11 and 12 this morning. I know it's not the brightest, sunniest day, but it sure as heck ain't dark as night with poor street lighting. So come on on slow down be patient and be where you are toll free jay my man it's the 12 o'clock talk back no no i'm thinking about this weekend i'm not a buffalo fan oh dear but, you're thinking about that can we not talk about it please uh, now what is like i i don't <sighs> have a computer so what is the, is it over under, and also what's the weather for this weekend? Hang on a sec. Okay, first of all, am I am I a bookie, Jay? Am I a bookie? No. Well, I was hoping that one of us was. Am I a meteorologist? No. Uh-huh. 
I, I honestly have no idea what the weather is. The game's going to be played in Buffalo, so I'm just going to guess that it's going to be crap. Yeah. And I, I don't know the over-under. I wouldn't even care because I never bet on my own team. So. I, try, I do the same with the Maple Leafs. Okay. Uh, but I just wanted to wish you well and my condolences. If it happens, because I'll feel just as bad as you do, because usually Buffalo, if they're going to win, they win early, and then they blow up when they should win. Thank you, Jay. Enjoy the games this weekend. Thanks, buddy. Uh, I honestly, I'm I'm a little bit anxious with the weekend approaching. I I really love my football team. I really do. They've been my team since I was a kid, and since Terry Bradshaw was the quarterback. And they are obviously up against a very, very good opponent this weekend. And lots of people around here, and lots of my friends are Buffalo Bills fans. So I'm kind of, sort of, sort of, kind of out on my own here. And I'm just, oh, I'm hoping. I'm really hoping for a little bit of Mason Rudolph magic, the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll see. But that's all I can tell you about that. My anxiety levels, though, rise. And oh, yeah, just to make matters more interesting, while the Pittsburgh Steelers are playing the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo, I'm going to be at the hockey rink broadcasting a Rangers game. So I just got I have to focus. Just like I was telling you a moment ago about driving your vehicle or walking on the streets or riding your bicycle, be where you are. I got to make sure I will give you my best hockey broadcast on Sunday and I'll just hope that my Steelers are doing okay without me. <laughs> All right, back to the phones. Sean, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Mike. Three quick things and I'll try to keep them all really quick. All right. First, you know how when you when you do all your show prep and you set out your four hours of programming each day, you know, I know you do it a couple days in advance and the day before you fine tune everything. And then you're in there super early doing all your final stages and you try to balance local and national and try to fill that four hours in half hour segments, right. Of things that you think your listeners will listen to. Right. Yes, I do. Do you ever call Bob and run that by him? I'm glad you asked because guess what? Starting Monday, when I get to the station at 6, well, 6, 10 a.m., I'm phoning him right away. Say, Bob, yeah, this was coming up, buddy. Is this okay with you? It's a draft until Bob approves. That's what I'm going to say. Oh, I love this call. I love it. Bob, I hope you're still listening because I'm phoning you on Monday. You're getting that call five straight days next week, okay? That's number one. I just want to make sure the lineup's okay with Bob. Yeah. Yeah. Number, Number two, the other day. When Paul called and rambled, I don't even remember what he was talking Something in B.C. with deer. I need to ask you, I'm begging you, please, can we just put a two-minute clock on Paul's calls? If he doesn't get to, if he's not done within 120 seconds, just please hang up. If he doesn't get to the point in one minute, then then you've got to hang up as well. It's just too much. I, I'm I, begging you. I get it. And, and I feel bad because Paul... Paul is now uh, persona non grata. He's he's not calling. He's taking a break from me, and he's giving you a break from him. And I feel bad because I, I, I used to try to put a clock on him, and I thought, well, that's not really fair. And I just hope that Paul calls back real soon and, and just works on it. Like, I get feedback all the time. Bob told yeah. me earlier this hour that I suck at doing a radio show. That's fine. I'll try to do better. And I hope Paul will call back and, and try to get to points more quickly. All right, and third and final thing, coming out of that Paul Deere call the other day, yeah. is I had to laugh. I almost sent you a bill for interior car detailing because I nearly spit my coffee out in my vehicle when Terry called and, first of all, argued with you about how long he had been on hold. 
despite the fact that you have a counter on your clock, and then said multiple times, well, you know me, I try to keep it brief. I nearly spit my coffee out. That's all, Mike. Have a great Friday afternoon. I'll see you at the rink tonight. Thank you, Sean. Uh, I, I'm honestly, I'm calling Bob first thing Monday morning. When I walk through that door, I'm going to phone Bob and say, hey, Bob, and by the way, I should be in a good spot because we've got healthcare coming up on the show Monday. I'll say, Bob, here's what's coming up on the show. Is this okay with you? Is there anything that I need to change to satisfy you, my new program director? Absolutely going to happen <laughs> on Monday morning. Amanda, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Michael. Um, Excuse me, I, Michael? Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to know, like, whenever I hear that, I'm either talking to my mother or I'm in trouble. I'm not using your middle name. <laughs> All right, fair enough. All right, so uh, the kiosks. Yes. I, I'm aging myself here, but I do remember there being a kiosk at the Cambridge Centre Mall uh, over by the Bay, yep. I think it was. I remember one at Fairview Park Mall. Okay, I wasn't too sure about Fairview. However, if they're going to put them in, great, no problem. But they need to be really careful on the things that um, people say they have, like insurance or a valid driver's license. Because you're literally just clicking it and uh, agreeing to, yeah, I have this stuff. The reason I know this is because for quite a number of years, I would go there and get my sticker and didn't have insurance. I was young and dumb. All good now. Uh-huh. However, uh-huh. Can you insurance. can I see please uh proof of valid insurance and license and registration, ma'am? <laughs> I have it now, I swear. <laughs> I'm much I I'm I'm a little bit older and wiser now. But when I could get away with it going to the kiosks to get my sticker, it would just ask me if I had it. It wasn't asking for proof. It was on the honor system? Yeah. And you did the dishonorable thing? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Move over, devil. I'm coming to take over. I love it. No, but they need to make sure that that doesn't happen now. I mean, I know I got away with it, and maybe I'm spoiling it for other people. However, you know, <laughs> they need to they need to make sure that they're doing it correctly this time. And lastly, uh, play Freebird. <laughs> sure. We're going <laughs> to. Yes. Yes, we will. All right. Okay. All right. You take care, Michael. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay, Amanda. <laughs> okay. Have a good bye. day. Bye. <laughs> Play Freebird. Uh, here's the thing about that thing. These kiosks, I'm going to look this up, but I believe, see, this is part of the whole communication problem uh, when it comes to this whole issue with the province. And David Kuhn mentioned that during our Friday Four Roundtable. What we've got here is failure to communicate and the problem is when we talk about these kiosks as i understand it these will be like the kiosks like canada post in the pharmacy or in the hardware store right i think there will be a person not a machine i could be mistaken i'm going to double check that as we get Freebird ready and i'll do some googling but regardless your point is well taken, Amanda, and I do hope they've closed that loophole honor system. Do you have insurance? Sure, I got it. I got all the insurance. Just look at me. Click this button that says I have the insurance. Uh, we'll take a break. We're going to come back. Uh, we continue with the Mike Farwell Show and your 12 o'clock talk back on City News 570. 
could do. I could just let this puppy play us out today. Because <laughs> we got a solid, what, nine minutes with Freebird? <laughs> hey, Amanda, thanks for the request. My weekend starts now. Uh, it is all request Friday here on the program. The first time that we have done it. And dare I say from my chair, it's been a resounding success. Annie even emailed earlier to say how much she's enjoying it, including all of the selections that included Blue Swede earlier today uh, with Hooked on a Feeling. Devin Robertson is the guy on the other side of the glass. Now, Devin, we got that request from Amanda about four minutes ago, and boom, there you are, spinning it. Like, I'm saying from where I'm sitting, this has been fantastic. I'm loving it. Uh, how, how you doing over there? I'm, I'm having fun. Okay. Yeah. You, you remember a couple of weeks ago when I popped my head into your side of the glass there, and I said, so I got this idea, here's what I'm thinking, and, you know, we decided that if you had enough advance notice, this would be a piece of cake. Yeah. Yeah. Four minutes? <laughs> uh, clearly that's enough notice these days. Yeah, apparently that's all it takes. <laughs> all right. Do you happen to have Handy? Because my buddy Nate, he's going to be really upset. The song that we were going to play before Amanda swooped in with the last minute play Free Bird, but you can't resist it because anybody who's ever been to any show anywhere knows that that is the call one has to make. Play Free Bird. Of course. Do you have the other one handy? I do. Do you mind? Could you just... Can you make that happen right now so Nate Dog can hear... Cause this is a band called L7. It's it's heavy, but it's also called Andre. And anybody that's listened to this show for more than a minute knows we have a favorite Andre on this show. I don't know if Andre is from North Hollywood. I think he's North Preston. And I've met him. He does not have long hair. But there you go, Nate. <laughs> a little bit of Andre by L7. Uh, this is a talk show. It's the 12 o'clock talk back. I best get back to doing what I'm supposed to be doing, and that is <laughs> taking your calls. But, boy, Fridays are fun for requests because it just makes things that much more entertaining. At least to me. I hope to you, too. Tom, good afternoon. Hey, I'm doing all right. How are you? Great. Good. Good. I just, uh, I'm the one that has been in the TC. Oh, you're TC. Yeah. Uh, my TC. My name's Tomcat because I used, I drive a truck, so I used to drive all night. So, Tomcat. Attaboy. I like that. Tomcat. Okay. <laughs> TC is good with me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, uh, no, I requested that. Uh, I shoot, uh. Battle Scar. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. I'm just busy driving, right? But, anyways. Uh, yeah, because I remember when they, they, I was in Guelph, uh, shoot, I was 16, 17, something like that. I went to a small little hole in the wall bar. Max Webster was playing at the time. And they introduced the first time I heard that song. And Kenny Lee actually showed up on stage. Come on. I'm not kidding you. And that was a month before they did uh, New Year's Eve at uh, Maple Leaf Gardens. I think it was like 78. Early December. That is amazing. That's like when Rush played in the uh, the uh, courtyard at Wilfrid Laurier University. Like we didn't know what we had back then. No, I know, I know, because I saw Rush uh, about a year before that. Uh, the think it was Peter Clark Hall at University of Guelph. 
I did have my piece, my ticket stub. It was like two dollars and fifty cents for a ticket to see him. <laughs> oh man! But they were phenomenal, and they got me hooked. And ever since, I'm a rush nut. <laughs> yeah, well, ever since you've been listening to the greatest music ever recorded. Come on, uh, you got that right. Attaboy, Tom. Attaboy. Oh, yeah. And I was thinking you can do an intro. They have. Do you realize they have 175 songs? So you could do an individual rush song as an intro for like six months, pretty much. <laughs> I like what you're thinking, Tom. I like yeah, what you're saying right. here. <laughs> but uh, another thing about a uh, all the pedestrians getting hit, yeah. it's just everybody's got their nose in the phone, even in the car. I'm in a truck, and I look down, and nine out of ten cars, when they pass me, doesn't matter if they're uh, hammer lane or whatever, they've got the phone in their hand. I, like nine out of ten. I believe, I believe it, Tom. I believe it 100%. Listen, thanks for what you're doing. Be safe out there, and thanks for the call. Yeah. Oh, thank you. All right, brother. Good to hear from you. TC is Tom, and he requested Battle Scar by Max Webster featuring Getty Lee, which we played earlier on this All Request Friday. Jim, it's the 12 o'clock talk back. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? Oh, good. I want to good. continue with Rush. Sure. I'll talk about Rush all the live long day have a question for you. Yes, sir. No, it's ever been asked. You remember when they uh, got the Rock and Roll uh, Hall of Fame Award? Absolutely, I do. Okay. So what I want to ask, what you thought of Alex Lifeson's speech. I actually, after a few minutes, I actually thought I was getting it. But As in understanding it? Yes, honestly. Yeah. (laughs) So here's my take on that, Jim. I mean, these guys as we know, have always marched to their own drum, right? Right. And so I think that Alex is is being Alex. But do I do I get it? Have I fully comprehended it? No. <laughs> okay. I was almost feel like I was getting to understand it at one point, believe it or not. I'll tell you what we should do. We should go back and revisit it on the, the interwebs and see if we can figure it out. Okay. I was just wondering what your thoughts. All right, Jim. All right, Rush Rocks. (laughs) Rush Rocks, indeed. Thanks very much for the call. Uh, We'll go to Mike next. Mike, you're on the 12 o'clock talk back. Hey, Mike. How's it going today? Great. Um, Thank you. I would like to respond to, you know, the uh, worrisome uh, things about putting uh, Service Ontario things in Staples. Um, You know, I live up in Bruce County there a bit, between Kitchener-Waterloo and Bruce County. Already in the home hardware, there is a Service Ontario um, uh, franchise or whatever they call it within the home hardware. Um, in addition, they have for the past year, uh, like an airline kiosk. You know, when you go to the air- airport, you know, you scan your tickets in, you scan your ID in, uh, you scan this, uh, your insurance in. You can do it there too uh, by a kiosk. So I don't see any problem with it mike it's it works um if i can i make a request for a song for maybe next friday i got like 10 seconds left so yes okay jerry reed uh for my friend who's celebrating his divorce she got the gold mine i got the shaft i want that one (laughs) celebrating his divorce oh come on love ain't dead is it uh we'll mark down jerry reed for next week on our next all request Friday. This was only our first, and holy Hannah, 
did we strike a chord today. Thank you very much for all the requests. Thank you very much for all the phone calls and the interaction. We're going to call it a day here and send things over to Rob Snow with Now You Know. He'll be on from 1 until 3 today, followed by All News Afternoons. Devin Robertson earning every dollar that he gets paid as our guy on the other side of the glass today. Uh, I'll be back tonight with Paul Fixter from the Memorial Auditorium Rangers Otters 635 pregame. And then we're back in this chair on Monday morning at 9. My name is Mike Farwell. Bye for now.